Grove, you go over to music, it's like Jack Harlow, Baby Keem, like people who are actually having huge influence on the world, and you go to games, and it's like, oh yeah, here's Blessing. Blessing, you have your own show, okay? Don't ever, ever let them take that away from you. By the way, Greg got more views on his show than you did, which did. is like, that's fine. That's another thing, though, Bless. We'll get to that later. Blessing, I will say this. Out of all those people you just named, I pretty much just know you. So. <laughs> Nick, I That's swear to God, there. at one point we were the same there. age, and now you're so much older than me. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, let's get into it. Of course, this is in review, where each and every week we rank, review, and recap two different movie franchises. To close out the year right now, we're doing our Spider-Man rewatch, but we're also doing The Matrix in review with Paris Lilly, having such a great time. If you haven't checked out, episode one of that is live now. You can go check it out. Uh, you can watch... Are you doing show. every I want every Animatrix short as We're a not. episode. You got to you got to do 17 episodes of Matrix <laughs> review. <laughs> but you can get the show on youtube.com/kindoffunny or roosterteeth.com. You can also get it as a podcast by searching your favorite podcast service for Kind of Funny in Review and we'll be right there for you. If you wanted to get the show live as we record it and if you wanted to get the show ad free, you got to go to patreon.com/kindoffunny just like our Patreon producers Molecule Pranksy and Greg Miller returns to content next month. Nick should quit now. Okay. Uh, so thank oh, all okay. of you producers. That's a sponsor? That is, that is a Patreon Weird. producer for the month. I just I'll read it one more time. Greg Miller returns to content mm-hmm. next month. Nick should quit now. Just to be clear, I wow. didn't ask Greg to go oh. on vacation. And But I will say this. You're going to have to pry the Kind of Funny podcast out of my cold, dead hand. <laughs> okay? Because people love... What I, that energy that I Because I'm close to death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say, at your age, how's that grip strength? Because I feel like it can't be great. Not great, not great. Not, I haven't used this hand in three days. So. <laughs> God, I hate all of what was just said. But you know what I love? Spider-Man Homecoming with a runtime of two hours and 13 minutes. It was released on July 7th, 2017. Directed by John Watts, uh, who directed Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home, Spider-Man no Way Home, coming out in just a few weeks, and he will be directing the upcoming The Fantastic Four for Marvel Studios. And that is so happy. Me too, man. Me too. Especially with Spidey's connections to The Fantastic Four. I just feel like we're going to get some magic from this. It tells you a lot. It tells you a lot tonally about what they want to do with the Fantastic Four that they brought on John Watts. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Well, I yeah, like this for the Fantastic Four. The parallels of it having had two failed startups. Yeah. Fantastic Four and bringing in the guy that hopefully can bring them home. It's a good call. Makes me very excited. Yeah. And also, am name. I crazy in thinking that Avengers Tower is going to become the Fantastic Four Tower? That's the, the easiest bet at this point. Yeah. But like, it, I was thinking about it's that. The big rumor is the big rumor that's been going around the internet is not true. The the theory crafting that everybody's doing around Hawkeye right now is not true. Have you heard? Oh, hold on. don't don't spoil this for me because I not, I don't want to spoil it. For people, yeah, that is the theory. I haven't thought about that. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. What about the King Tower thing? Because wasn't wasn't there that episode of Loki where it appeared as the King Tower, or at least it was like a K or something in like one Q. of the later episodes? Was it Q? Yeah, it was Tang spelled with a Q. That's just an old time. Oh, yes. Jesus. It was our real future. Well, shifting off of that, music by. The one and only Nick, give it to me, Michael. Sarah. Giacchino. 
Giacchino, baby. God, he's so good. He's so damn good. I do want to say, though, to Blessing's point, every time someone says Michael, I always think Sarah. I don't know why. (laughs) The first thing that pops in my brain. We should really try to get Michael on a podcast. We talk about him so much. And he's very active on Twitter. I feel like we can get him on a podcast. Michael Sarah? Yeah. No, Michael. I would be starstruck. I would be starstruck if we can get Michael Sarah on a podcast. It would be just a podcast of just two, two nervous people the whole time. Dude. (laughs) <laughs> Less than Michael Sarah interviewing each other. That's what I want to see. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, a budget of $175 million and a box office of $880.2 million. Uh, and speaking of box office stuff, man, Spider-Man Far From Home. Going nuts, right? Or not Far From Home. Uh, no way no. home. God, the pre-sale tickets are insane. It was like... This is, like, the third highest pre-sale movie of all time, above Infinity War, like, just under Endgame. And it's like, it's a pandemic, y'all. That's insane. But what, what's, what do you got for me, Nick? I was going to say, yeah, people are getting in fights to get these tickets. It's, it's crazy. Like, there's there, people are very rabid to see this movie, which is going to be cool. Well, no Way Home tickets. I was going to say, No Way Home tickets on eBay are going for as much as there was an auction for $25,000 for an opening <laughs> night. I will be no way home. this a week, and you can sell the tickets you bought for this company for $2 million. <laughs> uh, did you get your tickets, Carboni? I did not. I did not. I'm I'm so... If you want to come I'm to SF, to, we got to get We probably have a spare I got one for come, you. Come, come see it with the Spider Boys? Yes. I mean, well, I'd, I'd love to come out. see it with the Spider Boys. Yeah, let's let's talk about that yeah. after. Cool. Yeah. I love I love the idea that Nick sells the tickets for two million dollars and then buys like seven tickets for twenty five k each. <laughs> That's oh what they call God. shorting the market. Well, you know about that. You're on four thirty under thirty. Yeah. yeah, man. GameStop. I'm all about it. <laughs> let's get into it. You know, with bless, you're one of the few people here I haven't heard your thoughts on Spider Man Homecoming. So let's start with you. I love this movie. I think this might actually be my favorite Spider Man movie. I think it is as perfect as a Spider-Man movie can be. Like, I know people have complaints about how it is too connected to Iron Man and too connected to the events of the MCU, but I think that is very necessary for it to be the third iteration of of an on-screen Spider-Man that we've gotten in the last, I guess, 20 years at this point. And for it to be Tom Holland in his performance and for him to be the first Peter Parker that really nails, like, you know, I am a high schooler. I am, like, you know, somewhat a, a little bit, like, I guess, like, nerdy, but not too nerdy, right? Like, he does, he's not Tobey Maguire about it, but he's also not as cool and as swagged out as Andrew uh, Garfield. I feel like he, it's that perfect Peter Parker, uh, like, personality, where it is. I can tell that this, that, that this kid doesn't have everything together, but you can also tell that he's a good kid with a good heart and a good spirit. And, like, you know, everything about him seems like he wants to do good. And he, he just has the keediness to him that I absolutely love in this role. But then as Spider-Man, you know, it is awesome to see him interact with New York in a way that feels like it is true to what Spider-Man is, it is true to what we know about Spider-Man, but then also in ways that feel fresh because of how good uh, uh, this phase of the MCU is, right? Like, we've gotten a good arc from, like, phase one into two into three of the MCU, of the MCU growing, and the MCU kind of defining what the tone and the writing of the MCU is, and I think we're pretty, I think we're we're lucky to some extent that 
the Spider-Man movie for the MCU didn't come until this moment in the MCU. Because I think a phase one Spider-Man in the MCU wouldn't be as good as Spider-Man Homecoming, right? Like, we, we got Iron Man, we got, like, Thor and all that stuff, and Iron Man is a great movie, but you look how, you look at something like Thor and something like The Incredible Hulk in those movies, you know, have people that like them, have people that don't, but, like, I think overall we don't put them among that, that top tier of MCU movie. I think us getting Spider-Man Homecoming as a phase three MCU movie allows us to get this movie that is fantastic and brilliant on a level that we can objectively look at and go oh yeah i have no qualms with this i'm sure some people have qualms with it but me personally i look at it and i'm like this is fantastic and so i love that i love vulture i love the 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 way they loop vulture around to being not only a spider-man villain but then being a through this like weird roundabout way having this connection to peter parker through the big reveal later on in the movie i think mm-hmm. all that stuff is done super well and yeah i absolutely adore this movie anthony carboni yeah, I agree. I, I think I think strategically it's the only way it could have been done. I, if I had seen another Spider-Man origin film, I would have screamed. Um, but I do. I am one of those people that that does think that because it is so connected to everything and because it comes so late in the game, it is tonally maybe the best Spider-Man movie in terms of like impact uh, and meaning. I think for the character or Im- emotional impact. It's not up there. You know what I mean? It's a good, fun, perfectly toned Spider-Man adventure with, like, a perfect cast. Um, but I think it does suffer from, like, this is so connected to everything and we're coming in so in the middle that this feels like, you know, this week's episode of Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Which is a cool feeling to have, but it also, I think, just makes the movie feel a little less a little less weighty to me in a way. Um, which is not necessarily bad, it's just something that I noticed as I was rewatching it again. But I do love that we had, you know, we had our hammer horror sci-fi Silver Age Spider-Man. We had our, like, super cool, like, mid-2000s, like, ultimate kind of rebooty Spider-Man. I love that we are getting a director that really, that really understands, like, he wanted to make a teen movie Spider-Man. Spider-Man is like, this is a teen comedy. But it's also, like, it's a coming-of-age teenage story, and we should direct it, and it should be stylistically that way. And that's what I think the brilliance of this movie is. But because it, it, because it does everything up to showing the Ferris Bueller scene while the Ferris Bueller montage is going on, it does feel a little, it does feel a little more teen comedy and a little lighter. And so I, I, sort, of, I sort of miss a little bit. I hate, to, I hate to use the word stakes, but I sort of feel that way. You know what I mean? Mm. Stakes is such a shitty word, but I wish, I wish he had gotten maybe a bigger, more bombastic movie of his own for the first one. To, to hop, off, hop off of that, I think one thing I noticed with this movie, and this is like directly to Anthony's point, is that I still look at Spider-Man 1 and 2, Tony O'Guire's Spider-Man 1 and 2, as being the more iconic Spider-Man movies. And I think it is because of what Anthony is saying in terms of it's missing the weight of this is Peter Parker, Spider-Man's story. Like this is his origin. This is his come up. This is us uh, giving all focus to what Spider-Man and who Peter Parker is. I think it being so focused on what him wanting to be an Avenger and the events of the MCU as opposed to just the events of Spider-Man make, make, makes me look at this movie as still like my, my favorite Spider-Man movie, but in terms of it being, I guess, like, the ideal Spider-Man movie or the iconic Spider-Man movie, I think does miss that element just a little bit. Yeah. it's uh, And I am one of those people, I will say, I am one of those people where I'm like, we could turn the Tony Stark down to seven on this. 
We could turn the Tony Stark involvement down to like seven on this, and You're then right. I'd be I'd be even more happy. You know, you I am one of those people. We we could not disagree more on this, Tim. If I may, <laughs> Girl, you may, Nick. I think you I may. think this movie hits it perfectly. I think it knocks it out of the park. And I think that I think obviously what we're talking about is a movie that stands uh, on the shoulders of the other movies that came before it. Right? You don't. Have, oh, I love it, Andy. Thank you. Um, I love <laughs> Andy. This this uh, contrary to what Andy Those are Jake Gyllenhaal's glasses. Said. You're not allowed to wear those glasses. <laughs> What you say? say are you going to say something about a suit and an armor in, in the world, or what? Well, I thought you were you going to ask me, like, you know, oh, what do you so want to put around the world, or something like that? Yeah, what do you, Andy? If you could put one thing around the world, what would what, what would that be? I want to put a suit or armor around the world. I kind of fucked it up. Perfect. Man. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I love you, uh, Andy. Later, and I were going to do a video for Aunt May. Um, <laughs> I. I think this movie. Uh, I think they. I think they really knew what they were doing with this. And I think they came in and said, "We know every. We no one needs to see Uncle Ben again. We don't need to see the origin story again, right? We we understand. You know, it's something that I fully expect them to to. to well, at least I hope for them to do uh, in the Matt Reeves Batman coming up. Everyone knows Bruce Wayne lost his freaking parents. We've seen it 19 times. We get it. Uncle Ben died. Let's start the story off farther down the road and tell a story of, of the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And that's what this is. And they got Tom Holland and he's so fun to watch. This ca- the cast that they put together in this is just so fun to be with for two hours and hang out with that. You feel like they're your friends that you would go and like, and, and watch movies with after school. And I think that's the vibe. Obviously. I mean, I think there's a piece of trivia that Tim will probably read, but they made them watch John Hughes movies, the director yeah. was like, I want you guys to understand the feeling of what these movies had back in the day when you watched them. That's what we're going for here. And it's and it's small, and I love that it's small because it allows Michael Keaton to really, no pun intended, spread his wings as this bad guy character who has dimensions. Like, he's the first person we see in this, and we feel bad for him because he's overextended himself, and he's just trying to make his way in this world that's clearly been destroyed and run by these superpowered people, and he just... You know, he goes in a different direction than he should, and, and, and we empathize with him. And also, he's just, he plays it. He, you want to talk about who's having fun being a bad guy? Michael Keaton playing the vulture. What about Pedro? <laughs> so good. So good every time I see it. But, you know, I keep coming back to it. It's just, it's just a movie that is, is just infinitely watchable and super fun and keeps it as small as it needs to be to tell a good story about the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And, and that's why, like, literally when I finished doing the synopsis for it, I just lit- I rewound it and I just started watching it again. Because the beginning of this movie, what a freaking masterpiece this is. Because this is not the, remember everyone, this is not the first time we've seen Spider-Man in the MCU. The first time we saw him was in Civil War where we got him for a hot second and he did this cool thing and then we never saw him again. And so to have him vlogging that was such an inspired choice. And it, it tells you everything you need to know about this director and this team that put this together. They're just they're in it to win it. Yeah, I mean I'm right there with you. You said infinitely watchable, and I totally feel that about this movie. Every single time, it's, this is probably besides uh, Infinity War and Endgame, like my most watched uh, MCU movie. And I think that's going to continue to be true forever. Like I, I know Ragnarok's up there as well. Thank um, you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. definitely. But um, this is Black just Panther. it's it's so damn good because of everything you guys have said. But the the chemistry between these kids is amazing. Tom Holland is just simply amazing. And then you add on Tony Stark and all these. MCU things we know and love and I 
love how this movie functions, not only as a great Spider-Man story, not only as a great MCU interconnected this week on thing like Carboni was talking about, but also as a semi-sequel to the Iron Man trilogy. Like, I love getting more Tony. I love getting more Stark Tower. I love getting more a little bit of Pepper and Happy. And I, I, I appreciate that John Watts is kind of like this connected tissue director for the entire MCU and like the New York situation going on, which is so core to uh, what the MCU is, especially the earlier days. And I just think that they 10 out of 10 nailed that in, in every single way. I totally get the criticism of like, okay, but it's not a Spider-Man story. And it's like, it couldn't have been because we've had the, the five movies previous. And this is something I keep saying, but you know, the amazing Spider-Man movies would have been a lot better had the Tobey Maguire ones not existed because they weren't able to do the storylines that they probably would have. And so that's double true for the MCU versions where if the Amazing Spider-Man movies and the Tobey Maguire movies didn't exist, we would be getting Green Goblin. We'd be getting the Mary Jane uh, more traditional. We'd be getting like all of the, the Gwen Stacy death, all that. And it's like, well, we're not getting those because it would be everyone would be like, I hate this, right? I love the differences they had here, and I think that it forced them to kind of find other Spider-Man moments that are iconic. The the moment we get that, to me, is all the stakes we needed in this movie is him being crushed by the building from the vulture and pushing through it. One of the most iconic Spider-Man moments that I never thought we would see in live action. And that's what makes this movie special to me, is we got to see that moment, and they did it well, and they earned it, and it's surrounded by this amazing cast with amazing amazing action and more in interconnectivity with the MCU than any movie before or after with including I think even Endgame and Infinity War like the amount of things that that they connect to the stories there's references to almost every single movie uh in the MCU in this whether it's them getting like little background conversation of thugs of like oh yeah I got that in Lagos which is the place from the beginning of Civil War or like references to Ultron or like the beginning being obviously Avengers uh, 1. All that stuff, I love that it's kind of just background. The PSA from Captain America, all the, the girls kind of gossiping about uh, F. Mary Kill uh, of the Avengers. Like, it makes the world feel so real, for, so authentic to, to high school and all of that. And I just, I really, really think they did a good job balancing it all out while also, I do think, making a really great standalone Spider-Man movie because – Amazing Spider-Man 2, too many villains. Spider-Man 3, too many villains. Guess what? This movie has more villains than those movies, but it does them correct because it's just a little hint of Donald Glover as the Prowler. We got the Shocker. We got the Tinkerer. We got the... It's like... It's just awesome. They did such a great job building the Spider-Man world within the MCU world. Anthony Carboni. This is, the, this, is, this is the thing. There aren't too many villains because... And this is something that we talked about with the difference between Sony... And even like modern modern day like DC and <clears throat> and Marvel, where everybody was trying to catch up to Marvel so quickly, and everybody was trying to throw. This is like very perfect Marvel playbook of like they're not really villains yet. Matt Gargan right. is not a villain yet. You know, Aaron is not Uncle Aaron is not a villain yet. But we've introduced them, and two movies down the road, maybe they can be a villain, and that's the pacing that. The Sony, the second Sony movie trilogy, or would be second Sony trilogy, was missing because they wanted to catch up to Marvel so badly to have their Sinister Six movie. And I love that it's like maybe you see Matt Gargan, maybe you don't. Yeah. In three and, movies. And you know what's so awesome about that is uh, something happened last night with the rewatch that I was like, holy crap, Marvel fucking, they did it. They damn nailed this whole thing. And that was 
uh, Gia was watching it for one of the first times since she's seen it in theaters. I guess she's done rewatches with us and stuff, but like uh, her first time watching it since Spider-Verse had come out. And in the before times, I would have had to be like, gee, Donald Glover's, you know, it's Miles Morales' uncle, whatever. This time she's like, oh, my God, he's the bad guy in the thing. The moment he referenced, oh, I have a nephew. That's the power of Marvel, man. When, the, yeah. when you do this shit right and you plant the seeds right and you tell good stories, it retroactively makes other things more, like, stick out to you. And you're like, oh, I can piece this together. And I understand because you're telling a good story. So shout out to y'all. I fucking love these things. I can't believe we're getting one in a couple, a new one in a couple weeks. That's so exciting. Also, shout out to Donald Glover because every time he does anything, it makes me laugh. He's like, nah, you gotta come back. You gotta fix this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that gets me that, every time. Dude, his whole, everything, like every choice he makes in that scene is fucking perfect. He's like, you're bad at this. Aunt, you gotta get Andy, better at this part. What, what did you think of the homecoming on the, on this, on this watch around? Overall, a bit disappointed because it needs more wow. Hannibal Burris. It needs more Hannibal mm-hmm. Burris. No, this movie's fantastic, but <laughs> no, Hannibal, was, Hannibal Burris Hannibal is just is so goddamn good. good. And just the line about "I think he was a war criminal" gets me every time. <laughs> <laughs> it gets, gets me every time. His delivery is perfect. Um, after watching the first three episodes of Hawkeye, I don't know if there's any two actors in the industry that I enjoy watching work more than Tom Holland and Haley Steinfeld. I think they're. Line delivery is flawless every time they want to say anything. It just feels real and it feels good. And it's not only just the line delivery, but it's the subtle nuances of – it's not even like a a subtle thing. But I love that moment in the car with Vulture, with the interrogation. And um, girlfriend shows him the cute video and Tom Holland goes (laughs) – and then the face just goes back to serious because he's so scared and and sort of um, fearful for that moment. I just love all the performances in this movie. I it's been a while since I've watched it, probably since the first MCU watch along, maybe mm-hmm. or maybe uh, I guess before Far From Home came out. Um, it's just a joy to watch. It's fun as hell. The script is fun. It doesn't need to be this gigantic story, but I love the vultures involving with it. I love Michael Keaton, and I love watching Peter Piker. Uh, Peter Peter Piker. Peter Piper, uh, God damn. <laughs> I love watching him go on. Pizza people pick. <laughs> I love watching Pickles, Peter Piper pizza. Peppers. Uh, I was going to mention, I love, what Bless, well, I love what Blessing mentioned about Peter Parker interacting with the city and the sequence of trying to get somebody, Rob, it's my car, dude. It's my car, you idiot. <laughs> like, yeah. Just all the sequences are great. Having him sitting, eating uh, food with the mask up, trying to call happy, just desperate to get back in the squad. It's such a blast. Um, yeah, I just think the casting is incredible in this. Uh, shout out to the science teacher from um, oh, Silicon yeah. Valley. From Silicon <laughs> Valley, yeah. Just the Incredible every, Hulk. Everybody, yeah, exactly. The the intern Incredible Hulk or the younger dude Incredible Hulk. Yeah, I just think they just nailed it from front to back, and this is definitely one of the funner rewatches um, throughout the MCU. And, and I like I want to add in because this kind of piggybacks off of like multiple things people said. Uh, like it being a teen comedy, I think really kind of cements this as being kind of its own version of Spider-Man in a really good way. You know, like I think the MCU has over the years really established like, okay, this is what an Iron Man movie is. This is what an Avengers movie is. This is what a Black Panther is. This is what like each of each of these sorts of uh, you know pieces of content are. And now that we've gotten some of the some more, I guess phase what phase we're in phase four content now with like the disney plus stuff and like a a few movies being into this phase now i feel like you can kind of identify what genre each thing is and i feel like spider-man was a big um step toward that just this being a 
teen comedy that can exist in the MCU and that makes it feel super fresh and super different and have its own vibe. Like I think that alone is kind of an achievement. And like I do, I did also want to shout out the the cast, uh, like Andy said, because watching this movie, I was blown away. I think halfway through, where I was like, damn, they. I, I never really thought about this movie having a stacked cast, but it has a stacked cast when you look at, like, yeah, Tom and Z- Zendaya, but then Garcelle. also, yeah, like, uh, uh, what's his name, Hannibal Burris, like, uh, like Andy said, and, like, plenty of other just hilarious folks that appear, Donald Glover. It is stacked, and they all bring their A-game in a really good way. I mean, also, too, one of the things I want to point out before we get right to the plot is that, like, the heart of, of the last two movies is always sort of Spider-Man grappling with that concept of, like, with great power comes great responsibility. And we get this here. We do. But we do, we get it through Tony, and we get it through – but we, we don't necessarily beat you over the head with it. And there's a little more levity in this. You know, when you when I think back to both the, the Raimi series and the, and the, the Garfield series, they're dark. Those are dark movies. And Spider-Man has sort of a dark cloud over him the entire time because he's being chased by the ghost of this big mistake. This movie isn't weighed down with that. Instead, it really is just kind of a coming-of-age story of a kid who's trying to figure out where he's going to fit in and biting off more than he can chew. And he needs, and the lesson he learns at the end is he's still got a lot to learn, and it's okay just being where he's at. And I, and I love that. That's such a simple coming-of-age high school movie story that, you, that we're just saying. It just so happens this kid also has superpowers and even kind of funny. Shout out to uh, Betty Brandt, actress. Oh my god! Um, oh yeah. Both for both not only that. killing it in all in all these TikTok series that they've been putting out, which are fantastic, but she was also really good in uh, Mayor of Easttown. Um, Anne Jury Rice is, is her name, I believe. And then I don't care how many times I've seen it in all the trailers, and I've rewatched this movie about four or five times now. Um, the hug scene. Uh, I'm not hugging. I'm just getting the yeah. door. Okay. That sequence gets like I laugh so hard at that every time. We're not, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> the, the, just the back and forth, and then just seeing Tom's face go. Oh, oh, okay. Like it's, they're just so great together. Like this cast is is perfect, and this is why we love these movies. Well, even him that? walking out of the the uh, suit, even though the green screen is bad in that scene. The the gravity of it, I think, is so well done. Where oh, like yeah. you don't expect me to be here, right? And when he walks out, and Tony Stark is in bad mode, like that is a version of Tony Stark we've not seen before yeah. until this movie. I where it's it. it's him having to be like, okay, well, this kid is my responsibility, and this kid is fucking up, so I have to be the mature one in this situation. For Tony Stark to have to be the mature one, right? Like that's a fun, cool side of him to actually see in this moment. And yeah, it adds a lot in terms of the eventual baton pass that Tony Stark is giving to. Peter Parker in like the upcoming movies and so like I, I I I like I understand the critique of Iron Man and I like to some extent I'm right there with folks who are like yeah there's too much uh, MCU connection too much Iron Man connection but the fact that they did it and they were able to pull it off this well you know lends to me being like cool I'm good with it yeah like, exactly. at the very least they did it in a very quality way because we also we already talked about it but it you don't need to redo all the other storylines and right. if they would have gone this route and it not been been good it would have been something easy to point out and saying damn they focus way too much on the yeah. MCU tie-ins but it would it's still a damn good movie so who cares it feels are getting something time. new and fresh you know it feels like Asian Asian movie for like five minutes total yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he had that impact so great but I, I, I don't even think that it's that though tim i think a lot of the people's issues with it are uh, <laughs> again just to bring up the thing i brought up like three weeks ago on one of these spider-man interviews where some people argue about which person was the better Peter Parker, and then some people are actually arguing which Spider-Man was more successful. Mm-hmm. And so some of the arguments I see coming from those people are like, 
well, this Spider-Man was given everything. He was given this suit. He didn't have to do anything. He's got the backing of Mar of uh, of the Avengers. So who cares? It, this yeah. this guy was kind of gifted an awesome suit and everything. So I think that's where a lot of the criticism also comes from. Yeah, it's- absolutely. But I love that because to me, I feel like that criticism falls flat because of the second half of this movie. I love like that the they take point. the suit yeah. away from oh, him, yeah. and I love that it's just him in the OG shitty suit. Like that is such a dope fucking call for the first MCU Spider-Man movie after two reboots to do and that to me i think is what really really makes this one not just like oh yeah it's a great spider-man movie it's like this is one of the best comic book movies of all time i am i i think yeah you know what they're doing with the suit is they're doing power and responsibility without saying power and responsibility because they know that still has to be a theme of spider-man and so it's good it is good that it's there it's just it's just a weird and new and interesting way for Spider-Man to learn that, and it's uh, it's crazy that it's so connected to Tony Stark. And so I think even though he's only there for five minutes, I think when 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 people are are expressing that they have a problem with the amount of Tony Stark, I think they are Spider-Man fans who are like, well, is Tony Stark half of Peter Parker's origin now? Because that feels weird and new. And we'll talk more about it as we get into the plot. But I think that's kind of what kind of what feels unbalanced for those people. See, I also think there's the thing of him constantly referencing Tony Stark and, like, talking about the Stark internship and, like, talking about wanting to be an Avenger. Like, even though Tony Stark's actually in the in the movie for, like, five minutes, the DNA of the MCU and Tony Stark and the Avengers, I feel like, is there throughout. So it's easy to make that string connection. But I think it's I think that's important, though, right? Because, like, you know, the, the main theme of this movie is the thing that we just said, right, which is the line that Tony talks about, which is, if you're nothing without this suit, then you don't deserve it. And that is a line that, if you remember, was echoed, that sentiment was echoed in Iron Man 2, oh, no, Iron Man 3, right? Where the kid's like, aren't you Tony Stark? Like, why do you need that suit? And he's like, oh, you're right. Like, I don't need to be, I don't, I'm not just Iron Man, I'm Tony Stark yeah. also, and I can, I can do other stuff, and I can solve these things without the use of this, you know, crutch, for lack of a better term. Yeah, that's um, a theme in the MCU, right? Yeah. Like, we, we get Thor's God of Hammers moment, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, absolutely. I mean, it's the theme, it's honestly, the, the, that theme is the theme of every, like, superhero every hero movie, yeah. it is, yeah. right? Like, what are you going to do with this power that you have? That's, that's always it. But I like that they weave it nicely with that coming-of-age story. And, and plus, and plus we get the, in a way, we do get the Uncle Ben moment in Endgame when Tony Stark is dying and he looks at Peter and goes, Peter. And with that, before we get to the plot, let me tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Me Undies. The end of 2021 is here, so we're all looking for the best gifts for our favorite people. Well, Me Undies has you and your bottom covered with their ultimate gift guide, so you can save time and surprise everyone with the coziest gifts ever. Of course, I absolutely love Me Undies. I have for years. I'm wearing the lounge pants and the socks and the undies right now, and I love having my entire body covered in this soft micromodal fabric. The new Me Undies holiday collection features classic plaids and sweater-inspired prints that will soon be new favorites. Their undies, loungewear, and sleepwear are made from soft, breathable, stretchy fabrics ideal for sitting fireside with loved ones available in sizes extra small through 4XL. MeUndies has something for everyone. MeUndies has a great offer for you. First-time purchasers get 15% off and free shipping. Your days of fighting for your life in the mall parking lot are over. To get 15% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash morning. That's MeUndies.com slash 
morning. Next up, shout out to Trade. Whether you're a coffee nerd or a coffee newbie, you need to hear about Trade Coffee. They want to make every cup of coffee your best ever. Trade matches you to a selection of their over 400 craft coffees, all based on how you answer their coffee quiz. They consider whether you like French press, auto brew, or even cold brew and pair you with the perfect choice for your taste. And if you don't love it, they'll replace it with a different bag for free. Uh, Trade's awesome. The quiz is super fun. I love that they send a bunch of fun flavors. And hey, coffee's always great, right? For our listeners right now, Trade is offering your first bag free and $5 off your bundle at checkout. To get yours, go to drinktrade.com slash kindoffunny and use promo code kindoffunny. Take the quiz to start your journey to the perfect cup. That's drinktrade.com slash kindoffunny. Promo code kindoffunny for your first bag free and $5 off your bundle. And this holiday season, give the coffee lover in your life the gift of better coffee too with their own personalized gift coffee subscription from Trade. Again, that's drinktrade.com slash kindoffunny. Promo code kindoffunny. Next up, I want to give a shout-out to Warby Parker. Warby Parker provides exceptional vision care online and in stores. And now that it's the end of the year, don't let your FSA or HSA dollars go to waste. Put them to good use on Warby Parker prescription glasses, prescription sunglasses, contact lenses, and eye exams. Glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. And Warby Parker's contact line, Scout, brings you a 90-day contact pack for only $55. Uh, G has been loving Warby Parker for years. And Bless You recently has been doing uh, this trial at home program, which is awesome. They sent him a bunch of glasses. He's checking them out, and he's really excited about it. You, too, can try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. Order five pairs of glasses to try at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. They ship free and include a prepaid return shipping label. Couldn't be easier. You can try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com slash kindoffunny. If you want to try the glasses, you got to go to warbyparker.com slash kindoffunny. And finally, shout out to Shin Megami Tensei 5. Shin Megami Tensei 5 is the newest installment of the acclaimed JRPG series developed by Atlas. You play as a young high school student who's granted an accursed power to save his life. He becomes a new being that's neither human nor demon, a Nahobina, and is suddenly transported from modern Tokyo to a post-apocalyptic world. You'll explore the demon-infested wasteland of an enigmatic realm that's filled with mythical deities and demonic tyrants in constant conflict for survival, if I had nickel. Uh, search for answers and forge your own path in a battle between light and dark, and your choices will dictate the fate of the world. Turn formidable foes into worthy allies by recruiting them via negotiations, and then fuse them to create demons customized to fit your playstyle. Shin Megami Tensei 5 has been fully rendered in 3D, utilizing Unreal Engine 4, a first for the mainline Shin Megami Tensei series. You can order the deluxe and standard editions of Shin Megami Tensei 5 today on the Nintendo eShop. Hit me with the plot song, Andy Cortez. Here we go. One sec, I gotta go, all set, here we go. We're gonna quote the cool line, and May is looking real fine. Someone tell Nick that it is time for the plot. Hey, oh. I love you. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Like I said before, if you're nothing without this suit, then you don't deserve it. We open up on the Sony logo. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't time it out. We stay on that logo for a real long time. It's like Sony was like this. Hey, Ooh. we finally got one right. <laughs> there were, Scott, you know there were discussions they in were boardrooms. Like, triple about it up. 
Yeah. Triple it up. I, what they were fighting for, actually, Carboni, is when you watch, like, a show on CBS and they have their logo on the bottom right, kind of, like, opaque and kind of, like, you know, transparent, they wanted the Sony logo on the bottom right the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> like, wanted, gigantic. every once in a while, there would be, like, in the bottom Not corner, a, like, an animated bug of Amy Pascal that would yeah. pop up and be like, <laughs> I did it, I did it. Uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen to the future of Spider-Man movies. You've earned it. Uh, we kick it off with old Batman himself, and he's showing his co-worker uh, a picture his kid drew of the Avengers, and the guy goes, Mason goes, kid's got future. And it's like, oh, didn't pick up on it then, but very good how you kept it. We didn't, we don't know what the kid, who the kid is. Uh, we're over by Avengers Tower at the cleanup effort after the Shatari invasion of New York all those years ago, but the government has to come in and do what the government always does, Tim. We're trying to grow that pot. And they're trying to harsh our mellow. This scene could have been a little bit better. This is one of the, the only mm-hmm. scenes where I'm like, ah, oh, this is fast. They, like, they're, they're not going to give him some future notice. This just seems kind of weird. But, of course, they shut him down, and he gets mad. Um, and then, oh, this, is, this person we're talking about is Vulture, actually. Tune was played by Max Keaton. Uh, he's overextended himself. He gets mad, uh, but he's like, she's like, if you got a problem with that, take it up with my superiors. And he's like, well, who runs this organization? And it cuts to a news thing of Tony Stark, who has uh, not only caused the problem, but also is now responsible for uh, charging everyone for the cleanup of the problem. They're watching this, and one of his gang members is like, oh, no, man, we got one of these loads still left of this alien tech. We forgot to turn it in, and he and Mason goes, too bad. We could have done some cool stuff with this as he's making a little tiny mini vulture drone uh, jet thing or, you know, propeller thing. And then, of course, Michael Keaton, banger, gets gets the idea. He's like, I'll tell you what, let's keep it. The world's changing. It's time we changed, too. If I have Michael Keaton thing, we go like, yeah, with a cool eyebrow. Yeah. If I had one note about about Adrian and his crew, I love this take on Adrian Toomes. I love I love that this is a this is a very modern thread, whether you're following the MCU or not. Just this idea of like multi billionaire, massive corporation is coming in and just taking everything. The government is taking everything. Like this is a very common sentiment that's popping up. Uh, it's a real finger on the pulse sort of thing for for 2017, mm-hmm. right? Um, if I had one note about Adrian and his crew, his crew is just too damn lovable. They're nice. <laughs> I love They're it. Just They're just adorable. Good. Like, like no, I, Adrian is a villain, but at the same time, I'm just like, look at his wacky animal. buddies. I love this. I'd because love to go drinking with the Vulture crew. I think it's but, only the tinkerer who's lovely. Like, I think the homeboy who gets disintegrated. Shocker, Shocker 1. Shocker, one. Shocker, Shocker 2 one. Is, is, Shocker 2 is pretty chill. Shocker one is not. Shocker two, fantastic in Fargo. If you've ever, if you've oh, never Woodbine has been so fantastic good. in everything his He's entire so life. Good. Yeah. What I like about it though is that these aren't criminals. This is not a <laughs> gang of criminals that were put together to be criminals. Right? These aren't hardened people who who got together to do crime. This was a crew of like honest to god blue collar workers who just got screwed over by the government and they're trying to figure out what to do next. Well, yeah. I just wish. I think because of that, I just wish they all had a moment where they were like, ooh. Did we go too far? Are we have we gone too far here? And we never have that moment from them. Uh, and yeah, I understand I mean, this happens over years where they just slowly slide into yeah, this criminal that's, life. That's my point. Like eight years later, they're like, the, the, but the, but the, they're the, just so lovable, huggable still yeah. throughout the whole movie. I'm just like, I am not afraid of these guys. Well, Mason, the tinkerer specifically is like, yeah. he doesn't come off as a bad guy at all. And I, but I kind of love it. <laughs> He's just very. I mean, I like Even the the Chitari, um the Chitari, like portal opener thing to grab a beer out of the fridge. Dude, <laughs> the, the casual use of that shit around the garage is so good. 
Sorry, even Vulture toward the in toward the end of the movie has that conversation with, with Peter. And I keep wanting to call him Tom. He has that conversation with Peter where he where he is like, dude, it's the people up top that are fucking this over, right? Like, dude, you're more like me. Like, look at look at where we're at, mm-hmm. where, where we're at. Look at who we are. And I think that was kind of intentional to make them seem like they're cool and friendly. Like even Peter going over to their house and like you know them being no, cool I, parents. Well, but he I also totally get that. I he totally get that. Two other things that aren't comic book villain 1.0 one dimensional right is that he lets peter off the hook he legitimately is like and you believe him it's not like he's gonna go back and kill him he's like listen you saved my daughter's life so i owe you one so here's your opportunity leave me in my operation alone and we're cool and peter's the one that goes i can't do that and then at the very very end he had the opportunity to get peter killed again and he doesn't do it and i'm not yeah. quite sure if that's because he got he saved his life or what i don't know but you know maybe we're just setting up a sequel but He's got – I like this character. It's got dimensions. He's not a necessarily 100% just evil for evil's sake, like Sam Raimi-style, like, you know, bad guy. No, no. This is this is very much a Spider-Man thing done I, – I think maybe the best we've seen it. I mean, maybe Doc easy. Ock was almost as good, but this thing of, like, oh, we could have been friends. We should have been friends. We could almost be family. Like, we get yeah. each other. Like we're victims oh, of circumstance here. Yeah. yeah. And it's not I mean, only that, but it's the it's the twist that makes it a million times better than it already is. Like I, yeah. the audible gasps in the movie theater watching oh. that with other people and everybody going, oh fuck, oh, like oh, what a moment, oh. what a moment. Uh, but we're not quite there yet. Of course, it's eight years later. Man, hold on before before we even get there. Well, first off, eight years later is the biggest inconsistency the MCU has had so far. Thirty movies in, all this shit. There's no possible timeline where eight years later makes sense. Because eight years after 2012 is 2020. Infinity War takes place, no matter how you shake it, in either 2018, 2016, somewhere around there. It just it doesn't add up. There's no way it's been eight years. We just, I mean, just I re-upload it, Marvel. What are you That's doing? That's what I'm saying. When it comes to Disney Plus eventually, I hope they fix it. Because it's like, it's such a weird, glaring issue. And they put the big eight years later on the screen. It's like, I think uh, they don't no wonder why DC fans hate Marvel. That, though, because I think there was like a, they have the age of the kids properly, you know? Like, he's got this picture from this kid that's, like, clearly a two-year-old drawing, and they're like, or maybe, I don't know, maybe a seven, six, seven-year-old drawing. They drawing. Like, need to figure out how to get that kid to be Hey, hey Liz Allen is just not, the visual arts are not her thing, okay? <laughs> it's fine. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, uh, but anyway, but we, this yeah. Marvel Studios intro hits, and it mm. is the OG Spider-Man theme, but with the most bombastic Michael Giacchino score I have ever heard. And I cheered up. When I first saw That's it, not I yet. think I've cheered up. Oh, it's not? That's not yet. No, eight years later, and they've got a little operation going. And it, this kicks off the Rolling Stones. By the way, the soundtrack, whoever picked the music for this, phenomenal. This is mm-hmm. that Rolling Stones song. Baby. And everyone's having the a good time. And this is where uh, Shocker is, like, playing with this thing. And he's like, the boss is going to get mad at you. And then uh, Vulture comes down, and we see the Vulture suit for the first time. as he drops off a package, like, pops a beer, takes his helmet off, and goes, business is good. And then it cuts to that badass Michael Giacchino uh, Spider-Man, old, old school Spider-Man. And by the way, I love that that has – it's just no, – it has no place being in the world of the no. MCU, but they like it so much they just – they're going to use it. <laughs> Why not? You know it's how cool. much of a problem I have whenever they try to throw the old Spider-Man theme into these things? And even I was just like, yeah, okay, you can have this one. (laughs) See, I fucking love it. I'm just putting this out there right now. I hope more than anything that the the theme of the Spider-Men in No Way Home is this theme. I hope they just fucking go for it and in the movie use it. 
as long as it continue, as long as it's not diegetic, as long as it's not some some guy yeah, on no, a corner no, no. with a with a guitar or a marching band, as long as the song doesn't exist in the world, you, you I'm don't like, good. You don't want it to be a cell phone ring somewhere, someone's cell phone. Yeah, ring. it's Spider Man's very own cell phone ring on his Sony Ericsson oh, phone. Uh, by the uh, way, I've had that to think, and I, I moved Amazing Spider-Man 2 down a slot again. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I, also, I, I also want to say that, like, What's this version of the Vulture, and this is something that, that the MCU has been so great at, uh, is the grounding of these characters where they still look fantastic. They still look like they can come from this world. But, like, this is maybe the first cool Vulture costume. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, where oh, it's yeah. like, we, we, don't talk, we don't talk about it, but, like, we get the feeling that maybe Adrian has, like, a military history or a pilot history because he's wearing he's wearing the bomber jacket with the, the shearling jacket, yeah. instead of like the actual vulture neck ruffle. Yeah, you know, so cool. Uh, and Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton is just such a good the green mm-hmm. eyes for this okay. for this role because okay. like as I was as I was uh, loading up the movie, I had the split second of asking myself, who's the villain? Like I know Michael Keaton plays the villain, but who's the villain in this movie? To be a full ten seconds to remember that it was a vulture. Yeah, and like that is how dope Michael like that is how much Michael Keaton stands out in his own performance that mm-hmm. I forgot like what his stick was. Like I saw the wings and I was like, oh yeah, like he's the fucking vulture. That's sick. But also, he, don't um, forget, like, we've always seen Michael Keaton as the Batman and right. Birdman. <laughs> so yeah. just, just being the third iteration is just such a fun little funny joke for them. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, they – this is masterful casting because they know what we think of Michael Keaton. They know yeah. we believe Michael well. Keaton is. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, if you're old enough to, like, understand all the references that are being put into this movie, then you think Michael Keaton – you think, like, oh, like, Mr. Mom, like, all of these, like, early <laughs> – Early rom coms that he did, right? Multiplicity. And then, multiplicity. <laughs> and then you move on Barack to Batman. Is. And then you move on like you're just like, This is a guy that we love. We love Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. And, and so way, it's perfect. There is a line later, I think when I don't know if Tim has this or not, it's probably you didn't write it down probably because it's not very important to you, but there is a moment later where he offers Peter something to drink and it's straight out of Mr. Mom. Yeah. It's that's hilarious. Like, it's it's the actual line he said in Mr. Mom, which is mm-hmm. funny the least straight. Anyway, uh we cut over to it, and again, best, I think one of the best parts of this movie is the very beginning, a film by Peter Parker. Uh, what a great way to start this. Uh, he's like, that's where you're going to sit, your first time in a private plane. We get this moment where Happy's driving in a balloon. He has nowhere he's going. He's like, should I pee before I get on the plane? He's like, it's got to pass him. He's like, what's your first time on a private plane? He's like, I've never been on a plane, period, before. <laughs> and then he's messing with Happy, and he's doing all these things. And this is where you get a sense that Tom Holland himself, not Peter Parker, but Tom Holland himself is just excited to be Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and that is why. It's so, you, and Tim, you mentioned Haley Steinfeld earlier. She has that Andy same did. vibe, or Andy, sorry, where uh, she has that same vibe, where you can just tell she's actually excited to play these characters and have fun and dig into these roles. And, and, and we're going to see them interact one day. We are going to see them. Like, interact. oh my god! <laughs> and Nick, I, um, Nick, the best part is of all of this that I, I just love the the enthusiasm and the uh, sort of reaction from Tom Holland is going, but my room keeps going? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. Good. All of it. Everybody go around right now. We just got Andy's. Everybody go around right now. And what is your favorite one-liner from Peter Parker's home movie? Mine is, he's big now, I got to go. No, fairly. <laughs> 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 Blessing, what's yours? 
uh, I don't know the exact line, but it was probably when he when he's in the hotel room and Happy shows him that there's another room in the hotel room, and he's like, "There's another wait, there's a room." Yeah, it here? keeps going. Yeah, 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 it keeps going. Yeah, mine's not a line. It's just like Andy was saying. Like Tom Holland is so good at just personifying this Peter Parker Spider-Man character that when Happy's knocking on the door and he like flips over the bed, it's just so sick, effortless, yeah. and it's just it. it it's such a perfect Spider-Man moment of just his, his the the size of his frame flipping the way it does is just like perfect yeah i'll give a shout out to the, to, to john favreau as well here because i did write that line down his line is my favorite where peter just sits right next to him because he doesn't know what else to do and he's like that's we're gonna sit just for some of first time on a private plane like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and, then, and i love that the next the next cut is happy walking to the back and sitting in a back dead uh, of course, we get the iconic uh, scene at the airport in Berlin where he goes under ruse, and we see him put the camera. Oh, gotta go! And then he flips over, and you see him just kind of off in the background stealing Captain America's shield. And then he talks about having stolen Captain America's shield and how awesome it was when we cut back to the hotel room. Uh, and we finally catch back up to uh, current day, where uh, Tony is—I'm sorry, not current day. This is still two months ago. Tony is driving him back. Uh, Happy's driving, and Tony's in the back seat, and he's telling him what's really what's going on. He goes, "We should make an alibi video." He's like, "Oh, you're." you're Happy's like, I told him to stop doing that. I'm going to delete the video when he's done. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, you know, actually, it's a good idea. We should make an alibi video for your Aunt May. And then he says, hey, May, how are you doing? What are you What are you wearing? Something skimpy, I hope? Okay, that's inappropriate. <laughs> delete that. You can edit that. <laughs> Hot Aunt May. And, oh. like, I knew, like, Listen. I knew coming into this, I was like, Nick Scarpino's favorite bits in this movie are going to be Hot Aunt May. It's going to be everybody, like, everybody just, commenting on hot aunt may is going to be his favorite moments i knew it and it's okay you pervert because it's also funny it's really good it's, it's a good twist really on good. aunt may it's just yeah. so funny it's just, <clears throat> and ironically and, and, she's the most aunt may like person we could possibly get not in terms of like what the character is to people like the character of people is an old ass woman i get that mm-hmm. but like this is actually an aunt to this child like it yeah. makes sense her yeah. t- like being with him kind of like dancing with him getting him all dressed her not knowing how to put on a tie either but watching the youtube video yeah. i love their relationship it's so she, utterly believable she has oh. moments in this where she is straddling that line between i'm your legal guardian now and i'm still your cool aunt mm-hmm. yeah you know what i mean like yeah. like some of the things where she says that she says to him are like everything we get explicitly told what Aunt May is in the other movies and Marissa Tomei just kind of just shows us what Aunt May is. And I love that. It's just very she's just it's very effortless for her and she can gets the badge perfectly. Can you imagine of just watching an amazing scene between them? You're just like, God, I love their chemistry, and I just love seeing this. And then Marissa Tomei goes, by the way, I think your parents are secret agents. And you're just like, no! No! no. no. Don't do this! that. No. Uh, here's some subway tokens. No, of course, uh, <laughs> we're still in the in the, in the the uh, blog sphere here until uh, Tony tells uh, Peter that he can keep the suit. And then, bang, we cut into the real world. Uh, and Tony's like, listen, let me give you some advice. Don't do anything I would do. And definitely don't do anything I wouldn't do. There's a little gray area in there, and that's where you operate. And then Tony, of course, goes to the, the best part of, of the trailer where he goes to open the door. And, t- and Peter thinks he's hugging. He goes, no, hug. I'm just opening the door for you. We're not there yet. <laughs> and then Tony tells him they're going to call him for his next mission. He's like, okay, when? I'll, I'll wait. Cut to two months later. And also, well, hold on. I just really want to point out another line that I love from Happy. And it's just such a small little characterization thing that you can tell likely wasn't in the script, 
But Tom Holland going, no, I can take that up. And Happy going, you can? Oh, okay, good. And looking at Tony like, fuck you for making me take the yeah. thing upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> he can fucking take it. I just love that little moment between Favreau and, and uh, Robert it. Downey Jr. Well, it's so good. I also just want to point out here that this, this sets a tone, Tom Holland, and for this Peter that I really love and I think is, I think is the reason we all finally are like, no, this guy is perfect. Um, Peter is very emotionally open. Peter is so emotionally open and he's so like welcoming and he's so ready for everyone to be his friend and to be, and he's so ready to be accepted. Unlike I think, you know, the, the Andrew Garfield or the, or the uh, Tobey Maguire that are very much like, nobody's ever going to like me and I'm going to keep to myself and I'm going to be a weird kid. You know what I mean? Like it's very much, no, Peter wants to, Peter likes, Peter likes people and he wants to be loved and he He wants to help. And you he know has we friends. Do. Like that that's the thing, man. This movie focuses on Peter having friends. And they're nerd friends, but they're friends. And I love that because this high school is probably the most believable group yeah. of people in a high oh, school yeah. I've ever seen in a in a movie ever. I love how diverse it is. I love how real it all feels. The little kid that gets two lines, the one talking about like oh I'm just playing yeah, chess. Kid. And then yeah. you see him yeah. later when he's in the bathroom. The he doesn't even have a line he in that bathroom. Line. He's and he's like what is the show, dude? It is so oh, fucking funny. But then you compare that to the friendship that any Peter we've seen so far has had with Harry, either iteration. It's like not believable at all. It's really freaking awkward and weird. Here it's like him and Ned, him and Ned alone is just like, yeah, y'all are some of the most believable best friends I've ever seen on camera. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm Ned is like, I want to tell somebody you're Spider Man, and Peter's like, no, don't do that. Like, that <laughs> I is love so that. fucking good. I love um, the yeah, and I want to, I, I assume that the four of you are, are very cool and have always been very cool. I would never say anything otherwise. Uh, I was a pretty nerdy kid growing up, um, but like this gets the this gets the thing of being a nerd correct in that you don't feel bad about being a nerd throughout the day at all mm-hmm. until somebody goes and makes you feel bad, and most of the time people don't. It's just you're cool and your friend is cool and you're having a good time and you're talking about the Death Star and then somebody laughs or somebody calls you a name and you remember that you're a nerd for like five, for like, it lingers, right? Like it lingers for a, for a little bit during the day, but you're like, oh man, that sucks. I forgot that I suck, you know? Um, that's kind of the vibe that Peter and Ned have in this movie and I love it. Like they have friends. They have yeah, a life. They're not even pretty chill except for, yeah. what's the name, Flash. Like Flash, Flash is Flash. like the one person that reminds them that they're not. Nice. But, but he's a loser, too. Yeah. And that's what's, so, too. what's so great about this is the concept of being a nerd, which I think is kind of a meta-commentary. Obviously, we all know. We're all still nerds, right? We're joking around. It's not like we're all cool. We, we, we love being nerds. We love all the stuff that we get. We're talking about a Marvel movie right now. And mm-hmm. spoilers, it's going to go for a long, way longer than it should. This is the one, baby. We love this one. Um, <laughs> but what I like about it is they had to put an antagonist in there, right? They had to put someone that's going to get Peter's go. And who did they did? They got Flash. But Flash isn't a football player. He's the second in the debate squad. He's the alternate in the debate yeah. squad. That's hilarious. And of course, as he walks in, Peter uh, Peter walks into school. Flash calls him Penis. Penis Parker. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. He's just he's just he's just rich and he's a jerk. And yeah. I'm just like, yes, this is the bad guy. I also just want to say, when Peter was on the train here before he walked into school, the first Spider-Man movie that's actually put Hasidic Jews on the on the train from Queens. And I just want to say, fuck yeah, thank you. Actually, <laughs> representative. There wasn't a single Hasidic Jew in, in five previous Spider-Man movies in all of New York. There Fuck that. Go. That's not real. Uh, we also, as he walks into school, we get introduced to 
man, something I hope we can have in the new studio, which is Betty Brant and Jason doing the terrible morning announcement show that I have to imagine is exactly like the one Tim does every morning for Gia. Oh, yeah. I have to oh, imagine yeah. she wakes up to that. What a great touch. I love this so much. Isn't it, again, it grounds show? it. It makes it feel real. It, yeah. it kind of reminds me of when Greg's on Kind of Funny Games Daily, right, where it's just like, God, this guy just does not know what he's doing. Let Blessing host. Uh, mm-hmm. Ned, of course, got the Lego Or it's 30 under 30. Um, and... Brett, Betty Brant being in high school with Peter, by the way, is a huge change and a huge, like, this is a huge thing that has never happened in a Spider-Man, I don't think, ever, even Ultimate. Like, Betty Brant's not there. Historically, Betty Brant is a high school dropout who went to work for J. Jonah Jameson, like, almost immediately as a teenager and has had a miserable, horrible life. Um, she was just another girl for Peter Parker to save one day. Uh, yeah. Also, Ned Leeds is not really Ned here. He's kind of Ned and Ganke and uh, and Harry put together mm-hmm. because Ned Leeds is like a really miserable, alcoholic, angry reporter as well. So like taking these characters and lightening them up and also doing this weird almost like, I don't know, almost that Saturday morning cartoon thing where they take all the people, you know, like an X-Men Academy, and they put, they're put they all in high school now. Like, it sort of does that. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Everybody's like, a oh. Muppet baby. Yeah, Gotham High. <laughs> like, everyone's a Muppet baby. Yeah, everyone's one it. of the new Archies, and it's fine. <laughs> like, I like this for Betty Brant and Ned Leeds. Like, I like that they don't have to have these sad futures. And it just, like, the moment you see that as a Spider-Man fan when Peter's walking into school, you're like, this is a very different Spider-Man world, and everybody's pretty cool here, and I like this. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that, like, they're starting off as characters that can grow into that role. Like, I know Betty Brant is going to be, like, she's not going to be a high school dropout, but the fact that on TikTok they're doing the thing now where she does work for J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. And, like, opening she's it up, that was the thing that reminded she's me. a reporter. Yeah, and, like, that rem- I, I forgot that Betty Brant was Betty Brant until I opened that TikTok, and I was like, fuck, yeah, that's that character. This makes sense. Holy mm-hmm. shit, I didn't think about that. Like, that's uh, a cool thing that they end up being able to do. Of course, Ned wants to build this amazing 3,000-piece Death Star, and I'm not going to lie, break out the weed cookies, let's go. Uncle Nick and Kevin are in. Uh, Ned wants oh, to build man. it that night, but Peter, of course, can't do it because he's got the Stark internship that he has to be available for, which is just him being Spider-Man and waiting on call for them to call him up for the Avengers, and everything's fine until he sees Liz, and, and he is just in love and stops listening to Ned, and it's unfortunate because Ned had some very pertinent pieces of information to tell him, i.e., I'm coming over to your house tonight after I've built the skeleton of this thing so we can yeah. finish it. But Peter doesn't fun. catch that one part, uh, which is going to come back to bite him in the ass later. Uh, and then Peter, he's like, uh, Peter does this cool thing where, again, you want to talk about the fun of this movie. Anthony, you're 16 years old. You're Spider-Man. Can you... Are you... Desperately, are, are you are you attentively paying attention to your biology or chemistry homework? Or are you counting the seconds until you get to go back out into the world and be Spider-Man? I love I love everything about this. I love that he's just like he he can't like he can't. We were all clock watchers in high school, but like he we all had something that we were waiting to go do. He's got the coolest fucking thing in the world to I'm wait to wait to go yeah. do. And it's amazing. And I love that not only is he not only is he like just like come on, come on, come on, but also when he's in class, he's doing Spider Man stuff. He's mixing up. He's using school chemicals to make the web make fluid. Because where else is he going to get it? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's uh, so good. We also get introduced here to uh, Michelle. I think is her name right, mm-hmm. uh, who notices that uh, Peter's doing weird stuff and tells her and Ned that you two are losers. You guys are too late. You guys are losers. Uh, and then she's like, they're like, why do you sit next to us? She goes, because I don't have any friends. And that sentence uh, is actually kind of resonates because at the end, she does yeah. have friends. Uh, but, I, Peter, but I love that because it's not like, because I don't have any friends, like, oh, this sucks. It's 
I'm sitting with you because I don't have any friends. Why else would right. I be sitting here? And then yeah. like she's very she's cool with it. She's fine with it. She loves it. I, I, uh, I love her character in this movie, though. Rewatching Homecoming after watching the previous one, I I can't wait to go back and watch Spider Man Far From Home again because I feel like she's a bit of a different character in that movie, but I can't tell mm-hmm. if it's just like a, a if it's they adjusted her or I if think it's just me like noticing things. I think, I think in this show. movie she's definitely the most exaggerated version of herself mm-hmm. um, in terms of being sort of that. Daria-esque, mm-hmm. I am just so, like, monotone that I don't care and I'm apathetic to anything that happens around me. I definitely think this is the most extreme version of herself. Yeah. Uh, we get a scene here, a really funny scene here with the debate squad where Peter uh, tries to back out of it. And Martin Starr, a uh, shout-out to Martin Starr, who is his professor, okay. is like, you can't just take a day off and all this stuff. And then MJ kind of points out, like, he's already, he's also quit um, science club and marching band or something like that. And she's like, I'm, I'm not obsessed with them or anything. I'm just very observant. Uh, and she's just a national treasure in the scene. Also, all the kids in here. You talk about a scene that could have been cringy, and the kid with the bell who was, like, dunking on people, and then Martin <laughs> Starr is like, what did I tell you about using the bell for comedic purposes? <laughs> all that stuff I honestly, super fun at work. I honestly, like, because of this scene, when they announced Far From Home, I was like, of course, of course the debate club goes on a debate club, trip. debate club trip. I have to see the road trip with these kids because they're so good. Mm-hmm. I also kind of, and I don't know if you, if you all felt this way, I was like, I want Peter to tell the entire debate. <laughs> I want Peter. everyone, man. I want Peter and this entire debate team, all these beautiful, like, geeky kids that he hangs out with, I want them to be like – and it looks like they're doing a little bit of that in the new one, No Way Home. But I want them to be Peter's, like, crime team. You know what I mean? I want I them to be that. solving things together. And, like, I just love these kids. Well, we're already getting the start of that, right? As the, Ned wants to be the guy in the chair, but that's not quite there yet. Uh, Peter heads after school to get a sandwich. And we're like, oh, that's funny. He's hungry. You know, he's going to wait for that bad boy till after he's done crime fighting. But Mr. Del Mar uh, talks in Spanish to one of his uh, other coworkers about Peter's hot Italian aunt. <laughs> and so Peter claps back. He's like, "How's your daughter doing?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah. sandwich now doubled in price." That Beautiful. Is, it, I love it now. It is. It is Spanish, right? I thought so. Like it yeah. sounds like Spanish, and yeah, I no, understood it's, it's everything he's saying. It's, it's just like I, a, I think a heavy. You might have a, a dialect or accent. Dominican accent. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, that's that's what I, was, I always assumed. I'm watching it on. I rented it on the Microsoft Store. It said in Italian. Yeah, no, they got that wrong. That was not Italian. But I will say, and another shout-out to this movie getting New York in a way that other the other ones didn't. Peter's got a favorite bodega, and he's got a sandwich guy. And you got a bodega cat as well. (laughs) Whose name he knows. He knows the name of the cat, and I love that, right? Um, And also, I was going to come back to, like, it's about the neighborhood, right? Uh, Peter, of course, heads the alleyway and changes, and he webs his backpack to a dumpster. And my first thought was, man, why would you do that? Someone could just steal that easily. Mm -hmm. And guess what? He's a dumb kid. Somebody steals that easily. Yeah. Every, he's, she's like, there's like a line later. She's like, why do you keep going through so many backpacks? And he's not <laughs> paying attention like teenagers do. He just wants to get to the fun thing. Uh, and then but ten years it. in the future, he's got to find them all again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> One of the backpacks comes back to kill him. Uh, we get this great montage of Peter being your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, which includes no, the, the Ramones Blitzkrieg bot play, it's, and it is fantastic. What a perfect song for this fun of just Spider-Man bopping around, doing dumb things, fucking up more than he doesn't, and we get the get-a-flip guy, who then makes a return in Shang-Chi recording yes! the fight on the bus, and I He's love that. That's actually a different guy, I believe. No. no it's the same guy. Really? Same dude. 
Same dude. I checked because I didn't because I know. I checked you. I could have sworn I like found two different people. He did, an, he did an interview. The guy did an interview saying that it's it's him, and in Canada oh, it's him. him. Yeah, oh, that's God. awesome. That this part is so funny because this guy's so funny. He goes, "Hey, you're that spider guy, right? Yeah, do a backflip." Do okay. a flip. We get our American flag in this part, too. We do. We get Let's our get American flag. Uh, I also, also want to say, like, what I love about this is not just not just the, um, hey, man, if you're going to web up your backpack, web it up high where people can't get it. But also, like, he's changing very slowly and awkwardly. Like, yeah. he can't get a, Like, he's changing like a normal human and tripping around. And also, like, Peter, you got to stop wearing loose boxers underneath yeah, a tight bro, bro. suit like gonna that. That's going to be problems for you. Yeah, you gotta That's go, all you I'm gotta saying. Go boxer briefs for sure. I do love the fact that he hits the, he hits the um, spider on it and it does the Back to the Future two thing with and sucks yeah, his body and form fits. That's Super dark. Cool. That dark shit is very cool. Actually, is, is is it man? Uh, and then he takes a moment to eat his. Oh, we also get a cameo here when he when the guy's quote unquote stealing the car. It turns out he's trying to open his own car with uh, Stanley, where all the neighbors are just arguing out throughout their back windows. Dude, I love it. Like some of my, one of my favorite things about Spider Man is whenever he does the friendly neighborhood Spider Man stuff. And I, part of me thinks that's because I played so much Spider Man two on PS two, and that would be all that I did was go around find the green icons and like solve whatever crime. And I feel yeah. like every Spider-Man movie, movie has their own version of, here's a montage of him doing a bunch of shit. I love that half the shit he does in this montage is, like, stuff that he shouldn't be doing. Like, him thinking he's saving the day, but then also, like, he accidentally, you know, the, uh, webs somebody to their car, even though it's their yeah. car. He, like, you know, steals somebody's bike or some shit. It's great. I love it. Like, with him not making the, the web swing and, like, crashing into the, the top of the building. Like, I love that. And I love that earlier we see him in class and we see them looking at, like, I think it was science class, like, looking at, like, the pendulum swing and all that. And we see him working on the, the web fluid. It's just, like, it, it's a very organic way of showing that he's a smart yeah. kid. This is a smart school. This makes a little bit more mm-hmm. sense than – and tied up with Tony Stark, which makes it make even more sense for yeah. why he has mm-hmm. the tech. But also another moment that stands out to me is that, and he even talks to Happy about it, where he's like, I helped an old lady with directions. And there's yeah. just a shot of him standing on the street telling an old lady which way to go. And then she <laughs> bought him like ice cream or something like that. Or he churro. Said, churro. Churro. That's yeah. She bought him a churro. And then that moment of regret, why did I tell him, why did I tell him about the churro? <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. I love, uh, I love that he's been calling every day. Every day. Like, every day he calls Happy and he's like, here's all the crime I stopped. Am I a good Spider-Man yet? Am I an adventure but, yet? But yeah. Like, but I just, two things on this, right? One is that he's such a good guy. He, of course, would help this old lady find her way around. He knows the neighborhood, of course, because he's from there. And two, he doesn't really know what a crime fighter is supposed to do. Like, he doesn't know what a hero is supposed to do, so he's just kind of feeling it out. But what's funny is later down the line, and you guys probably caught this, but Tony references the churro. Yeah, because yeah. Happy gave it. He, Happy's been passing the messages on, and Tony's been keeping tabs on him, even though Peter didn't know it, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, of course, then we get the first action scene here. Uh, the next action scene today, uh, he spots some some guys in event bad Avengers party masks robbing the ATM, the bank next door. Uh, goes in. I like all the stuff. He gets, mm-hmm. of course, quickly in over his head as this tech can like elevate him and throw him around. Uh, and I just love the up. the intro of it. Of him walking in, they don't see him yet, and he's just like trying to get comfortable, trying to like, okay, what, what'll what'll look cool? You know what I mean? Yeah. As he's standing, that's awesome. And then a fun little like Easter egg piece of dialogue uh, is he goes, Thor, Hulk, nice to meet you, because those are the two Avengers that he hadn't met yet because right. they weren't part of Civil War. Yeah, yeah. Right. Cool. This this whole bit is, I mean, 
Garfield got the quippiness, right? Like we we were like, no, this is good. This is Spider Man being Spider Man. But this this movie has the balance of like I'm quippy and I'm awkward at mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not only that, it's also just sort of the naivety and youngness of this mm-hmm. superhero and going like, well, what the hell? What blaster is that? And just kind of like being excited to learn yeah. more about what these villains are actually doing. It's just, it's so wholesome and lovable. Yeah. See, for me, the, the quips, Tobey Maguire's quips, I was like, oh, that's cringy. And, and Andrew Garfield's quips were just a little too sharp and a little too dickish. Yeah. Where you're like, he kind of comes off like a dick. These, likable. Because it is yeah. a kid that's, that's just kind of innocent, like we're talking about, uh, and, and it makes the jokes hit. Uh, but, of course, everything goes haywire. The tech goes nuts because these guys don't really know how to use it, and they almost end up killing Mr. Del Mar, and they fry his shop. Uh, Peter tries to get a hold of Happy to tell him about the tech, uh, but Happy doesn't have time for him, man. It's moving day. Tony sold the tower, uh, and it's time. They're getting all the operations and moving them all to upstate New York. And they're like, oh, man, that'd be cool if we get to see that facility, whatever that's going to be. We're gonna. Peter, of course, is bummed, and to make matters worse, he has lost his backpack. So he sneaks back in his room in his Spider-Man costume on the ceiling, uh, quietly closes the door so Aunt May can't see him, and he drops to the ground. Uh, of course, not noticing that Ned, per Ned's uh, own own the uh, thing, is sitting behind him with the skeleton of the Death Star. The, and Peter the turns around and drops it. It's so good. The and timing says, on this scene is so brilliant. You're the Spider-Man from YouTube. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And it's not only that, it is, um, I think, my one of my favorite deliveries in this whole exchange is, I got to tell something, this is this is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my the honesty in his statement, like, this is the coolest shit ever that you are Spider-Man. I can't, this is great for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. But Ned, of course, not even worrying about it for a second, but still not quite grasping. He's like, what do you, how do you do this and the Stark internship? And Peter's like, this is the Stark internship. Oh, oh, I, do, I, I do want to say, I love that, like, when, when May comes in, and is like, do you want, do you guys want to get Ty? And she like takes her hair down, and it cuts to Ned, and Ned is just looking at May, and you can yep. just tell that Ned has the biggest crush on May. <laughs> everyone does, and I just love that. And Peter's like, no, you can't come out to dinner with us. <laughs> well, I, I, well, another thing that I love about this, and this is like, I think a real strength of the MCU is coming off as natural, and more often than not, not crossing the line into cringy type humor, unless. It's the purpose. I appreciate that this scene didn't play out with May opening the door. The gay joke. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Like with Peter Shirtless and her being like, what are y'all doing or whatever. She just says like, put some pants on or whatever. But like, it isn't the point of the scene. It's yeah. more just like, she looks at us like, y'all are doing some fucking weird shit. But like, that's, yeah, it's like an easy joke there that they didn't make. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is such a great call. Cause every other movie would have done that. Um, uh, we do get in this scene, like, Right before they go out to the to the restaurant, we do get the you can't tell May, May can't know, not with everything that's happened to her. And these are the contextual things that we get that mm-hmm. instead of the origin, it's just like, hey, no, everything you know about Aunt May is still true. Yeah. And it's going to manifest in her behavior throughout this movie. Like she clearly has a lot of anxiety when Peter's gone, but it tries not to show it. Um, but I just love that they try to throw all this stuff in to be like, don't worry, it's still Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, they, of course, go out for some LARB, and it's just Pete and Aunt May, and he sees a news report of Spider-Man, and they use a shot of him coming out of a porta potty with toilet paper. It's so fucking funny, man! <laughs> <laughs> Look on his face! 
Because he's all like, oh, they were saved by Spider-Man, and he almost gets this smile on his face, and then they show the porta potty, and he's just like, ah. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the uh, the waiter gives May some free food because he's trying to flirt with her, and she's just kind of Marissa Tomei in a perfect, innocent, but also like this happens to me all the time, just has a great reaction to this, or she just kind of like brushes it off. And it's it's it, I, I, it's great. Uh, and then the next day, Ned, Ned does what all of us would do. Like, right, he goes through all the stages of of if your best friend was Spider Man, and he's mm-hmm. like, wait, what? How did this happen? And we we come in mid conversation where he's like, well, does the spider bite? Yada yada yada. And Ned's like, what if it like can it bite me too? And he's like, no, Ned, the spider's dead. So Ned just immediately <laughs> wants to be Spider Man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, I like I like this as the way to. This is a fun and funny way to be like set some parameters. Who is this Spider-Man? What are his powers in this like in this world? What's going on? How much do we get to know? It's fun to kind of learn that through Ned just being excited about it. Yeah, and uh, of course Ned, uh, they're they're uh, they come across Del Mars where they see uh, the kind of Peter's screw up. Um, that kind of gets real, so we see the, the consequences of him not. Uh, taking the responsibility he should and, and uh, doing the right job. Uh, and then they cut over to gym class, and we get a bang-up cameo by Hannibal Burris and Captain America, uh, which is he's doing a video for the fitness challenge. And these videos Fuck those videos. are cheap. No, I mean the real ones, not the Captain America ones. Oh, yeah, no, the real ones sucked. But the Captain I'm... America one and the post credit scene, how it's just a long joke building up to the post credit scene, is so funny. It's, right. all, it's, it's all the little elements that they – Again, when when they're figuring out where the jokes can be, and like, of course, we have to have Captain America point the wrong way. That's a perfect little <laughs> a, a addition to have him go. Your teacher here, and on the left side of Hamlet Burris going, <laughs> it's so oh, he's just funny. he's great. And then the line about the war criminal is, I think, the funniest line in MCU history. Like it's I, so I, I like it's, it's the delivery, and it's such a Hannibal Burris joke, joke just put in there. You can tell they were like. What do you want to say here? What do you think is funny? Like, I think this guy was a war criminal, whatever. <laughs> it's so good, man. Yeah, just, like, this stuff is done so well that it almost feels like, like some like fan fiction levels of, oh yeah, what, what, how would a high school be in the MCU? Like, what does mm-hmm. that look like, right? What does the, what do the Avengers mean to the, to these kids? Yeah, and yeah. The Captain America stuff I think speaks directly to that of like, oh yeah, like you know, we've all, or maybe maybe not all of us, but I feel like some of us have had those things where we're watching old VHS tapes. Because we had a substitute teacher, or because they want to do like show us a thing in PE, and it's always this, yeah. this level of hokey. The president's medal for physical fitness when I was in school oh, was Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's cool. Wow. It was Arnold Schwarzenegger awesome. would talk to you about getting the certification for physical fitness, and I would be sitting in the back, just like I'm gonna do half a pull up, Arnold. I'm sorry. You're gonna get half a pull up out of me, my guy. Maybe they'll bring the chair over and I can do like three quarters. Yeah, I want like a Bill Nye the Science Guy VHS tape like they do, like they did in school, but it's Tony Stark instead. Yeah, yeah that's my jam. Uh, of course, as they're doing the fitness challenge, Ned wants to be tells Peter he wants to be his guy in the chair uh, while Betty and Liz play Mary Death. What is the game? Mary Mary fuck Mary, Mary, Mary Kill. Kill. Fuck yeah. Mary Kill. F. Mary Kill. We're, we're, this is PG. This is a Disney movie. Please. Uh, my apologies. F. Mary Kill. And Liz, of course, is super into Spider-Man. So Ned, without thinking, shouts out, Peter knows Spider-Man. They're friends. And Flash is like, oh, if they're such good friends, maybe they should, you should invite him to Liz's party tonight. 
And uh, listen, but he doesn't he like, shout it out. Flash drops down from the rope and he lands. And then he goes, like, I just love that Flash is just at all times ready to fucking take a dick. You know what I mean? He's just like, yeah. I don't give a shit that I'm 20 feet up in the <laughs> he's, air. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like some Yakuza levels of like, if you walk by, he comes out of a dumpster. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, he's it's around. Uh, we cut over to that night as Aunt May uh, drives Liz and, or excuse me, drives uh, uh, Peter and Ned to Liz's house. Uh, Peter nearly gets cold feet, and Aunt May takes the opportunity to make fun of his puberty uh, while Ned wears a terrible hat. And I love but I love, I love that the making fun of the puberty is clearly like a diffusing thing. Like it's clearly like, no, you're this is I'm going to make this even more stupid, and then you're going to realize how stupid you're That's being. But I also love that this. May is the May that drives two nerds to the house party. Mm-hmm. That's clearly an unsupervised, unsupervised house party. Correct. Because May is just so happy for these two that they're getting out. <laughs> yeah. They just need to get they're out. They're not they building Star Wars Legos. No. Yeah. She yeah. trusts them. She's good at like, hey, like she was a party kid herself. Mm-hmm. They've got their phones. Give me a call if you need me. I love that May is that person. And they go to the nerdy oh, yeah. school, so she knows. Yeah, those science kids know how to make the math. Uh, of course, as they walk in to the party, Amber <laughs> says, "Can't believe you guys are at this lame party." And Ned goes, "You're here too." And she goes, "Am I?" <laughs> yeah, like, I love her so much. Next level. Uh, Peter doesn't want to use Spider-Man as a party favor until Flash calls him out. So, he, so he's like, "I can't do this. I can't do it." And then Flash calls him out, and we cut, and he's immediately changing on the roof into his Spider-Man outfit. Um, but. The scene gets interrupted because off in the distance he sees an explosion that draws his attention. So he was like, oh, thank God, a great excuse to not have to do this thing that he didn't want to do anyway. He starts swinging into action. And I got to tell you, I think this might be my favorite part of this movie. He it's swings so and he swings and he swings. And then we got to sh- get a shot of him as he shoots out another web. And then it's the reverse shot as that web goes to nowhere because he's come across a golf course <laughs> that has no place for him to swing. Oh, and he's like, oh, man, this sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. run. And, and him running at this, this is what Andy was saying earlier about like the Hannibal Burris right. scene. It's any moment that could be funny here. They just found every right little thing. The sprinklers going off. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's so much funnier. Yeah. Well, this so this funny. is exactly this is where they go like almost shot for shot Ferris Bueller. Um, oh which, and, no, that's after. That's after. No, that's Henry after this. Oh, okay, because yeah, this is. Guys. Because this is a like either a Ferris Bueller gag or it's from some it's from a movie like it's from an '80s teen movie I forget which one where like the dude is running and he's like trying to put his pants on and like the like stuff comes on but it's good I like it's it I like great. the idea of just like there are no buildings around dude I, I uh, like it a lot it's it's beautiful and I love how wide the whole shot is and mm-hmm. uh, I'm reminded a lot watching the No Way Home trailer there's one shot of him looking like he's swinging on like power lines. And it's a beautiful shot where we just get a small little Spider-Man swinging. I really like that it kind of feels – and he's going the opposite way. I, I feel like there's an intention, an intentional kind of like callback to parallel yeah. with the moment. But we'll have to see the movie. But I'm excited about it. Uh, of course, when he gets over to the scene, uh, he kind of stumbles through this. But we see that we meet Donald Glover's character here who's uh, trying to buy some guns. Uh, but he just wanted normal guns. But Toons <laughs> and uh, Schultz and, and, and the Shocker wanted to sell him this next level crazy tech shit. And he's like, yeah, I just wanted a normal gun. <laughs> I don't want like a. He, what does he say? He's like, I don't want to shoot like a black hole in anything. Yeah, I'm not trying to send him back in time. Yeah, yeah. send him back in time. I love this. And, and and as an intro to Aaron Davis, this is so good. And also like they do mention one of the shockers. Like one of the shockers is like, oh, and I've I've got some other stuff. I have some climbers, and he goes, climbers. 
You're like, and you're just like, mm, become yeah. the prowler. It's become so the cool. prowler. Dude, I've said this before, but I, Donald Glover, obviously one of the most talented people of, of all time. But I think that his greatest strength is his acting. He is mm-hmm. so damn good. And specifically like this type of character, I don't think I've ever seen somebody – no one else could play this role the way he did. I love it. I think it is so authentic, and it is just like it adds so much personality to the Spider-Man world that we know that is a different vibe than anything we've ever seen. And I think it's just perfect. He decided uh, that Aaron Davis has one stone die all the time, and I love that he sticks great. with it. Yeah. He sticks with it in every scene. Aaron Davis is a little stone, and he's got one droopy stoned eyelid throughout mm. the whole movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought you said stoned die. Yeah, me too. I was like, I'm I'm sorry, that's too nerdy for me. I don't understand. Are we talking about (laughs) a 20 Well, you see, in in Amazing Spider-Man 242. No. (laughs) Uh, Of course, there's a great moment here where uh, the guys draw a gun on him. They think Donald Glover's character, uh, Aaron, uh, ratted him out. They're like, we're going to shoot you. He goes, if you're going to shoot someone, shoot me. Uh, and, and he's like, oh, that's interesting. And then it kicks off an action scene. Uh, he has to skate around behind the van with uh, with his webs. He's kind of like skating. And then one of the pieces of tech falls out. Of course, he tumbles when the uh, – I think the vulture gets there. And then uh, – sorry, I'm just going to read this verbatim. One of the pieces falls out. Spidey gives chase and completely destroys half of the treehouses and sheds in the neighborhood. And then this is where we get that banger of a Ferris Bueller's Day reference. Yeah. And also, we just see the scene and people are watching the scene. So it's yeah. like, hey, it's one of those things where I was like, man, this looks – I'm thinking as a kid who's a huge fan of Ferris Bueller's Day Off or a guy, I'm like, hey, this looks like the Ferris Bueller's Day Off part where he ran through those scenes. And then someone's watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off as if to say, yeah, Nick, you're right. You're right. You're right. Here's your music cue. You. The, the moment you're deciding whether you love it or you feel like they're ripping Ferris Bueller off and you want to know how you feel, they're like, this is how you feel. And you go, oh, okay, good, 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 good. Uh, of course, we do get a little bit of a reversal in that scene. So if you guys remember, there's that great part in Ferris Bueller's staff where he's running, running, running. He runs past the two uh, women who are sitting there sunbathing, and he walks by and goes, hi, Ferris. Ferris <laughs> yeah. uh, and in this one, he runs past two little girls that are in a tent, and they scream at him. <laughs> kind of modern-day take on what that would be. Uh, Peter catches up his van, but when he tries to jump on his roof, he is scooped up by the vulture and ends up nearly drowning uh, after his parachute pops, and he falls into the river, almost drowned in it. Just, uh, just want to say here with uh, the vulture, uh, obviously I'm always a sucker for good score. Michael Giacchino kills it with this. The Vulture theme is so fantastic, and I love that throughout this movie, and this is a testament to the writing and uh, portrayal of Michael Keaton's Vulture, but he is a bad guy, but he's also sympathetic. You also don't get where he's coming from. There are moments where his theme plays, uh, and it's like when they get like the big score, and it is like a positive. It's like almost like a hero theme, a hero version of it, but here, it is not that at all. Here, it is dark. It is scary as hell. This, these green light LED eyes just coming out of nowhere, scooping up Spider-Man with the talons. It's like, yo, this is scary as hell, and I love the music to back it up. I love how terrifying it is, and I love that it's basically like a flawless victory, like a Mortal Kombat style. Like, Peter didn't get one touch touch on him. That's how dominant that this guy is as a villain. Uh, I like the the, uh, parachute thing here. You have one parachute. You have not redeployed your parachute. And the idea that Spider-Man's never been high up before is mm-hmm. something I really enjoy about about this movie and the way they keep calling back to it and being like, not only are you high up, but like the thing that we put in the suit to save you in case you're high up, uh, you nearly you drowned yourself in it, you yeah. idiot baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Iron Man comes to save him, but it turns out it's not actually Iron Man. It's just an Iron Man suit of armor uh, that's being remote controlled by, by Tony, who I believe is just at an event in India. And I want to give a shout out to the fact that he drives another badass R8 in this one, but this one's yellow. I, why not? How many Iron Man suits, autonomous Iron Man suits, 
are out in the MCU 100. at this point, do you think? Like, how often is it actually Tony Stark? When somebody sees Iron Man save somebody in the MCU, how many times do you think it's actually Tony Stark? I say one out of one in a thousand at this point in the MCU. It's kind yeah. of terrible. I feel like oh, I, yeah. I feel like the community would have a problem with that. Like there being an Iron Man suit in every major city of the, of the world. I feel like I don't know. I'll just sign a petition and be like, hey, this feels like an infringement of some. Oh, a lot of people are, but we see that a lot of people are anti Iron Man throughout the entire MCU. Like I wouldn't like it either, you know. But like I'm just saying, when Iron Man saves the day at this point, I feel like it's very rarely Tony Stark. (laughs) I mean, was was this post Iron Man three and Age of Ultron? Yeah. Yeah, so I guess that makes sense that, like, he's kind of out of the game, right? Because he kind of hung it up at the end of Iron Man 3, and then even Age of Ultron was him trying to hang it up once more. And so I, it makes sense that, like, at this point, yeah, probably most of them are autonomous. It's probably one in, like, a very few that he's actually being there. It's cool. Uh, the AI will save us all. We get oh, a yeah. uh, moment here where he goes, hey, how did you find me? He goes, well, there's a tracker in your suit, of course. And he's like, you put a tracker in my suit? He goes, I also put that heater in your suit. He goes, oh, that's nice. But he uh, says, I put then, everything in your suit. Right. <laughs> and then he says, uh, he's like, listen, I want you to stick to more profile, low-profile stuff. If you come across those weapons again, call Happy. Uh, on the walk back to the party, Peter spots a piece of the tech that had fallen out of the van, that the Chitari power cell, uh, but Ned interrupts him to let him know not to bother coming back to the party because the entire party, led by Flash, is making fun of him. Uh, and they're unfortunately still dorks. Vulture has Flash. That's yeah. one of those moments. That's one of those <laughs> moments. <laughs> that's Oh, right. We're nerds. Oh, right. okay. Mm-hmm. I feel and sad for a little while, and then it doesn't. Yeah, yeah the I, I I think it did. It was during the actual chasing, but I just love Ned calling and being like, they hate the hat. Like, the hat isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the wall, uh, uh, Vulture heads back to his lair, and he is pissed because his guys have gone off uh, off book here. Uh, Mason lets him know the high suit vacuum seal is ready in case he wants to go for the big one. Uh, but Schultz and Bryce, who is the original Shocker, come back for a year full. Uh, he fires... Shocker and then threatens, uh, but Shocker's like, well, what if I told your wife how you got all this money? And Toombs is like, you know what? You're, you're absolutely right. And then melts him to ashes. Uh, and then he throws the, he, he takes the tech. Uh, first off, he goes, damn, I thought that was the thing that levitated people. And then he looks over at Schultz and he throws the tech at him and he goes, now you're the Shocker now. Or you're the Shocker now or something like that. Uh, go out there and find that weapon you lost. See, now this is the thing that's wild is like, once again, it's all cool, fun times in the fucking garage after that happens. And I'm a little like, like not even like the tinkerer is kind of like, oh, okay, no, that's the floating gun. Waka waka. And it's like, he just turned somebody into powder. Are we listen, cool? Are we all it's, cool? It's like this. Nobody liked Bryce. <laughs> yeah. Right? Nobody liked the other guy. I think maybe they would have been a bit more up and Nobody like likes the Tom Hardy lookalike. Nobody likes that. Sure, guy. but like. There are a lot of coworkers that I've had in the past that I don't like, and if somebody turned them into powder in front of me, it would still bug me out a little bit more than these guys were bugged out. That's all Fair I'm enough. saying. Very I, yeah. good point. I don't. Do, I don't disagree with you there, Carboni, because I feel like in most movies this would have set up a the teammates sort of feel not only in fear, obviously, of Michael Keaton, but the teammates eventually will yeah. turn on him to like, be like, trust this guy? yeah, this, this guy's our leader. Like, there's no way. Like, that's what other movies would have done. But yeah. in this one, it's just, it's kind of more of a comic gag. And I don't, I don't love it. I love the brutalness of Michael Keaton as a bad guy doing this and this cementing him as, like, I, I wish he didn't say, oh, damn, I thought that was the portal or I thought that was the anti-gravity yeah. gun. I wish that line wasn't there. 
because it would have like cemented him as this person who was like still I'm ruthless now, dude. A lot of time has passed since eight years ago, or yeah. six or five, however long it is, Tim. How long should it be, Tim? I don't. I mean, it's five. It's like there's Three a lot of problems. With it. Technically, it would have been 2018 because it was the five year gap, and we're supposed to be in 2023 after that. Six. Um, right. I think. Probably yeah. Thirty. Time doesn't make sense. Yeah. I, I I do think that like something that I wanted to know about this scene is like, are we watching Adrian kill someone for the first time and it's on accident? He's very like he's very nonchalant about it, so I think maybe not. Like we get the idea that he is he has been killing people as the vulture and he has been killing people as an arms dealer. And like I just want to know because it's played for a gag, and this is a very funny movie, and I think the only fault this movie has is like sometimes it's like gag, 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 gag. And it's like, oh, well that moment maybe should have had a little bit more emotional force. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But it's just another gag now. And that's that's kind of like the thing that I'm talking about where I'm like I wish some things hit a little harder here. Yeah, and yeah, you have a really good point. Uh, if they didn't have the joke here, I think this would have been a better scene. And I, I think they were trying to balance the thing of Vulture's character still being somewhat relatable or still being somewhat redeemable, and that's why they played it as a gag. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you guys that I think it is kind of messy. Like I think this is the most cartoony the movie ever feels in terms of him vaporizing somebody and then they just sweep it under the rug. Uh, yeah, because because especially like this is. This isn't some random goon. This is a guy that you've worked alongside for the last eight years, yeah. and, and it's just like a joke now or whatever. Like, if if this had any level of realism be- with interpersonal relationships, to have somebody go like, I quit, and I'm going to fucking tell your wife about it, you'd, you'd be like, whoa, 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 no, no, come on, man. We got to, like, yeah. everybody stop fighting. We need to get, like, and the fact that it's just kind of this random kill and it's made into a joke, I, it's the thing that I dislike the most. If, sure. if they didn't make it, like, if they didn't have the gag to it, and if he, if he did just vaporize the dude, I think that would make us go, oh, this guy is, like, he, he's chaotic evil. Like, he is objectively mm-hmm. a terrible person. I think the reason why they make it a joke is for us to go, yeah. oh, okay, like, he, he didn't mean to actually vaporize him. But it's still that's a fun not, movie. Yeah, okay. still a fun yeah. movie, but, like, that's not a good way, I think, to actually play out that Yeah. Way. And we do find out later that the vulture, like, like Adrian's got rules. It's like Nick. It's like Nick said earlier. Adrian's got rules. Yeah. He's like, he's a good family guy. He's a good dad. He's doing this because the world has forced him to do it. And yeah. when he's not vulturing around, he's he's a good guy. Yeah. You know, but he's also ready to kill. Because like at the at the yeah. end, when he put the ceiling on top of Peter Parker, yeah. right? Like yeah. he was ready to murder him. What I well, what I needed from that scene was for him to vaporize him, vaporize him, do the gag, and then go like, well. You know, he actually killed this, this, and this person, or like make it make it believable yeah. that like he doesn't feel bad for killing this guy who might have killed a hundred other people. Who knows? Yeah, because I feel like I feel like one of one of Adrian's central rules is protect the secret, protect my family. Mm-hmm. So that's why when like when like he drops the ceiling on Peter later, I'm like, no, that makes sense. Peter knows who he is, and Peter knows yeah. about everything. It's a Peter's shame right. for Peter. You know, that's, he didn't that's want my to. Thing too, is like I, I like this scene because I think it shows you like yeah, vultures the vultures. A three-dimensional character, and he's got morals, but he the, that line has been moved so far throughout the eight years of having to do this thing that he's a bad guy. He mm-hmm. is now a bad guy. Um, but he's a bad guy with good intent because he's trying to protect his family. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Ned and Peter start deconstructing the alien tech in shop class. 
in front of the shop teacher who's so checked out <laughs> that he's just like, it. watch your fingers or something like that. That's all he has, has to say. A number of just like New York public school nobody cares jokes in this movie are just so good. Man, I think it's just a shop class joke, man. Have, has anyone ever had a shop class teacher that was like super engaged and actually liked their students? Honestly, my, my shop class yeah. teacher was awesome. I love my cool? high school shop. Yeah, he like, he tried to set me up to get a scholarship uh, for my first year of college. He was great. I miss him on like a like a birdhouse scholarship. Also, but also like, like it was like a weird it was a weird, for making, weird like thing. just for making birdhouses and I don't know I don't what know. connection he had, but he was essentially like he hit me up and he was like, hey man, they're asking me to this like organization in town is looking to give out scholarships and I want to choose you to like go to that organization's meeting and they'll you like give a small speech and they'll choose you to maybe get oh, a, awesome. give a scholarship. I have no idea what it was, but he also was a little bit checked out during class. Because I remember that was the class that this is very unrelated. That was the class that me and my friends would have like rap battles. Like freestyle rap battles <laughs> in the middle of and like just do our thing. And like half the time we weren't actually doing wood shop shit. It was great. I, I just remember my my guy used to let everyone make um pipes for weed. Like bongs. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think you should be letting people make those. And he's like, I don't care. I'm as long as you're doing something. Uh, Peter, of course, uh, they, they they see the shocker and the other goon coming down the hallway with a device that clearly tracks the alien power source. So Peter heads down um, and then is able to put a tracker on Schultz's boot uh, as they walk uh, watch. Oh, excuse me. Uh, and they walk around in New York all day, stopping them. Oh, see, they they watch them uh, on his on the Star yeah. Trek as they uh, I, walk around New York all day looking for it and then stop. I love the probably at their evil air. I love the line that um, that Ned has here after Peter's like, hmm, it looks like they've merged our like their the alien tech with our own tech. And Ned's like, that's the coolest sentence anyone has ever said, ever. Like, I just love how into this they are. Having a great time. Uh, of course, he's like, they're like 300 miles away in Maryland. How are we going to get there? And Peter gets the broad idea. I will rejoin the debate team. And Martin Starr immediately accepts him and demotes Flash to the alternate that he used to be. Uh, Flash is like, man. <laughs> I also want to say I love that Ned gets to wear the mask whenever he wants. Like mm-hmm. that's a fun thing. Like like Peter's not Peter's not like don't wear that. That's very expensive. That's the Spider Man mask. You let your no. friend wear the mask. Yeah, of no. course you would. Ned wear gets the mask. to wear it all the time. You're, the yeah, eyes work when Ned's in the mask. Yeah. I love it. It's super cool. If I had the mask, I would let Andy wear it. Tim, thank you. None for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> let's see. They arrive in DC and Peter removes the tracer from his suit so he can follow the bad guys without being seen. Which. Like now, like having rewatched seen images it, right? and pictures, but now that it's seen it 100%, that is what we're seeing in the trailers the for suit, No yeah. Way Home, where it's the suit inside out. But like, yeah. damn, it is exactly that. So that's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do love this where like, where like Ned's like, hey man, do we really, like, maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't make Tony Stark angry at us. Maybe this is illegal. Maybe this is bad. And but Peter's also, like, but also, beep, boop, it's that yeah. easy for me. I'm Ned. Yeah. No, but that's, that's the thing is Ned's, like, questioning it. But he's already, he's also telling Peter about the, the other subsystems that are there, right? And he's yeah. like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, they're all disabled by something called the training wheels protocol. Come on, something's hilarious. And then Pete, he's like, do you got to disable that? And he's like, I can't do it, man. I don't know if I can. And then all Peter has to say is, the guy in the chair, and Ned's like, all right, and he disables it. And man, <laughs> it's a bad idea. If he hadn't disabled that, I think Peter actually probably would have had a better go of it. But he sneaks out. Uh, he tries to sneak out to go uh, track these guys. And who does he run into? Liz. And Liz, who is the team organizer, was like, she has a great line here where she's like, we're all going swimming. She was a little act of, like, defiance the night before a, a, a big debate uh, is good for team bonding. And Pete's like, and this is the part where I'm like, I could never be Spider-Man. Because if I had a crush on Liz, and Liz was like, we're all going swimming, and we're going to hang out, and probably at some point, you're going to have that, like, make-out sesh where you're just a little too cold because you're still wet, and you like, but the towel's kind of, like, Ew, just too small. Too wet. 
No, you I mean from the pool, not yeah. from. No, I know, I know. Not we don't, we don't need to know what it's no, not. Yeah, we know, we, we know. We, we, <laughs> it's from the pool. I actually don't know. I need explanation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all I'm saying is this is how this is why Peter's a hero, and this is why I'm just relegated to running this company. I love this uh, scene, man. I, 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 it's another one, just a great, authentic high school moment of them all, like the way that they're running with their towels and so shit. Funny. It's just like it's, it's that awkward. perfect level of awkward and, and just authentic. Oh, That's and Liz. Cool. Just being like, uh, Peter's like, oh, this is really important to you, and Liz is like, yeah, this is our future, and like, yeah. Peter just Peter just takes a moment and he's like, oh god, yeah. am I should I get yeah, into this spider suit? <laughs> should I get into this spider suit, or should I just like call Happy again and be like, hey, I think they're in Maryland. Like, am I doing the right thing here? No, but what's great about that is that I love that line because that's a, I read that line as that was the line that convinced him to go do the thing. Right, because right. Because this is our future, and he's like, fuck, my future is wanting to be an Avenger, so I have to give this up and sacrifice this to go be an Avenger. Um, again, I could never do that. I'd be like, let's go. Who brought the, who, let's get pizza after this. Uh, alas, he wants to prove himself, so he puts the mask back on, and when he does, because the training wheels program is off, he is greeted by his very own AI, Karen. Hey, um, Karen. He'll 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 uh he'll name later. Oh, I love like Karen. Like, how do you not fall in love with Karen? I like, look, I, I like Karen, reason. but I think... I genuinely think we're not we're, like we're supposed to like Karen, but I'll tell you this: the way this movie is paced, by the time I'm really mad about this suit, he loses it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. By the time I'm like, this is too much suit. It's, it's good, smart. It's, smart it's very smart. This. You know what but I mean? I like, like this because I, they had to have a droid with him, right? And that's the whole. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you talk about Star Wars, you talk about what's the purpose of the droids? Well, it's someone for the main character to talk to that doesn't necessarily right. have to be super capable or present or there, right? Especially and, with Spider-Man, who yeah. in the books, it's, it's thought bubbles the entire right, time. Right. Like, more than any other comic character, it's what is Peter Parker thinking with this mask on? And, and yeah, I think that's the, the reason that they did it. And I think, for the most part, it works for me. I get the criticism, but I think it works yeah, with the movie. I think the, I think at the, the same time, is, I think Karen is very sweet, and I love Karen, and I love the, I love the talks that she has with Peter, and, like, especially... It. Especially later on as, as you know, where she's giving Peter, like, life and love advice. And it's like, she's this is a, your chance. Kiss her. What's the weapon, Peter Parker? Like, um, <laughs> I do want to give a shout-out to the voice of this actress, who is Jennifer Connelly, who, if you're not familiar, of course, is married to Paul Bettany, who voiced Jarvis in some of the later Iron Man movies. But and also 80s, 80s teen movie heartthrob Jennifer Connelly. Yep. Absolutely. So she Absolutely. makes perfect sense here. Um, Karen, of course, activates enhanced combat mode as uh, Peter comes across that van that the guys are hiding out in, uh, and he's still getting He's like, this is a little too much. Uh, so let's see. Oh, that's right. The guys are waiting for uh, six Alpha Niner, which is a truck carrying some more of that uh, old Chitauri tech. As it passes, uh, the vulture swoops in for the score. Uh, he uses the alien tech to open a porthole in the truck and sneak in. Uh, Peter, of course, sneaks up on him and tests the, the matter phase shift. And he's like, hey, big bird, this doesn't belong to you. But he has no idea what he's got himself into. Uh, everything in the suit, new function confuses him, and he ends up knocking, uh, getting knocked out and stranded in the truck as the vulture makes off without another load of the goods. Uh, but when he busts out of the truck, he's like, okay, they're going to be out there. We're in the evil lair. I'm going to bust out of the truck and kick ass. He's not in the truck at all. He is in the most secure facility in the eastern seaboard, the damage control, the deep storage vault. This whole sequence is great. I love the... I love the juxtaposition of the villains and Peter trying to figure out their tech at the same time. 
when they're in the van and he's trying to be like, hey, man, like, you got to turn that down or you're going to shatter your arm. And he's like, what, like this? And in the background, you see Peter just trying 87,000 different kinds of right. webbing. Yeah, none of them know how to do any of the shit yeah. with the shit they have. And I just, I love that. I just like how brief the battles are with, with yeah. Vulture. You know, they're like one and done. Like before it was him scooping up Peter and then dropping him into the lake. And here it's like a very quick encounter on the on the truck. And that's kind of it. And like well, they, great, use, they use them very sparingly in terms of those action moments. Well, it's a great way to show a, show such a huge power imbalance at this yeah. point, right? Like Vulture sweeps, like Vulture swoops in, and Spider Man is like that's it. Like he has yeah. no way to because the I've been doing this longer than you. Yeah. And I like I I love the functionality of a lot of the costumes here. Tim Tim talked about it earlier, but like the Vulture suit being sort of like a, a very like basically a. a the equivalent of, like, the alien uh, cargo loader, right? He, he grabs things with the feet and swoops them up and stuff like that, and it looks like a vulture, but it has that very realistic, like, real function to it. Um, I also love the the sort of, um, I want to say, like, welding arms that Shocker wears so that, mm-hmm. that, so that the tech doesn't burn his arms, but it looks like the Shocker costume. So that's just, it's just super cool that they, they have those nuances in there, and they don't have to beat you over the head with, you know, massive leather spandex suits or something like that. It's just yeah. kind of like... The, the bad guys are a little bit more um, subdued in this. And I think yeah, they're, they're they're nothing too on the nose, like a scorpion tattoo on the guy that turns into scorpion. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, exactly. if this was the same Amy movie, that guy would have eaten a scorpion, and the scorpion would have pushed <laughs> the tail out of his ass, and the guy would have eaten a scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> are we ever going to see scorpions? I, yes. You know, I hope so. I hope so. Like Spider-Man 4? Yeah, we'll see. I don't think we'll see him in No Way Home. Which, but is, which is wild, because... Like, it is wild. He's he's part of the sinister. Okay, fine. I mean, it's wild that this movie came out in 2017, and we still haven't seen Scorpion come back, and we still haven't seen like who got the tower. Like that's yeah. it's crazy to me that there's like two world building things that they set up because usually MCU's pretty good about, with the exception of like Mordo in Doctor Strange, yeah. which is like the furthest villain we haven't seen in a while that had a setup. But we'll get there next year. Yeah, they have some uh, bigger stuff to deal with. I love this whole sequence. He really he takes, he immediately bonds with Karen and starts talking about Liz, and it's very endearing. And then he asks, should I tell very Liz sweet. I'm Spider-Man? And they, they, and then he's like, wait, how long have I been here? And you think it's been hours. And she says, 37 minutes. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So good. As he's wearing his, uh, the jacket. Yeah, and Carboni, yeah. we're talking about, we love seeing Spider-Man wear clothes over his suit. This is just I yet another it. example. So cool. I just, I love, once again, like, how how emotionally open this Peter is after like after two after five movies of I must hide everything I must mm-hmm. be sad. So let me just be like, hey man, should I, like, hey Karen, should I tell her that I'm into her? It's like, who is Liz? You know, like mm-hmm. the Let's student's like, there. what? <laughs> uh, I also love the Ultron the Ultron head in the bag. Mm-hmm. Like when he's yeah, looking cool. at what this stuff is, it's just like an Ultron head. I'm just like, this is some dangerous shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, of course, Peter, I mean, he's like, we got to figure out a way to break out of here. And Karen's like, oh, by the way, that glowy thing that you've been messing around with is an explosive Chitauri energy core, which would require, if, if it hits radiation, is going to turn very explosive very quickly, which means Ned is in severe danger. Of course, Ned takes the core with him to the debate, while Peter uses his intelligence to open the blast doors and head to the debate across, right across the street uh, to the Washington Monument. Uh, we're in the final rounds here. They've just subbed Flashback in, and who should win it for them? MJ wins it for Midtown High Tech, excuse me, uh, and they head over to the Washington Monument to hang out, and a banger, banger moment where Martin says, like, you're not going to come up here? She's like, I don't really want to celebrate something that was built by slaves. And he's like, oh, this wasn't built by slaves, and looks over at the security guard, he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Probably <laughs> was. Anyway, was great. Yeah. He's like, okay, he's like, okay. Oh. 
Yeah. Uh, Peter calls, uh, tries to call Ned and tells him not to irradiate the glowy thing, but as, it go, as, as it's going through the X-ray machine, uh, it becomes very glowy, and then uh, they go up into the uh, elevator, and it detonates immediately. Not a lot of setup for this, but it's great. Peter jumps into action to save everyone while MJ watches from the ground. Um, this whole sequence, to me, is so fun. And you want to talk about, like, another fun little bit of, of storytelling for where this character's at. He has a moment where he gets to the top of the Washington Monument. And he looks down and he goes, oh, and he does that thing you would do if you were out on a ledge. And Karen's like, what's wrong? And he goes, I've never been this high before. Let's just yeah. take, take that in for a second. Spider-Man's never been that high before, right? He's Like, there are probably buildings taller than that in New York, but he's never, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's never done it. He's, that high. We he's see crazy. him mostly sticking to his neighborhood in Queens, right? Yeah. So, like, there are maybe, like, one or two super tall buildings, in, like, in his neighborhood. And when I say tall, I mean, like, ten stories, maybe? Like... Mm-hmm. He's he's not from that neighborhood, and I love I just love that reminder of the parachute and everything. I also love the tour guide and Karen juxtaposition. Yeah, as like yeah. as like the tour guide's like, listen, we're totally safe, and Karen's like, they are absolutely in the most danger anybody's ever been in. Yeah. Like, uh, I did skip over a part here, and I do think it, I'd be remiss if I didn't say because I know this is the part that Tim. Did the, the, the Tim like clap, yell out loud when Spider-Man's checking out all the cool sequence things of his new suit after the training wheels program is taken off, and he goes like this, and the wings pop out. Oh yeah, riders. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the the helicopter scene where he jumps over the helicopter and perfectly swings. It's just such a good the Spider-Man. Fact that the, the spider he's scared. He's not sure it's gonna work, and then yeah. it does. It's great. Yeah. Uh, the fact that the spider on his chest is a reconnaissance drone, which is yeah, cool. that's pretty. And cool. it's adorable. Um, I How love do they, did they sell, did they merch that drone? Did they merch that drone? They no, had to. Uh, Karen, of course, reminds me, she's like, oh, by the way, you, you, this is, you think this is high, by the way, you forgot to reinstall your parachute, so if you fall, you're dead. Uh, he crashes, he ends up trying to have, him, having to build momentum for the glass, crashes through the glass by flipping over the helicopter and using the momentum to swing over into uh, the glass itself, and he saves the last minute, and of course, the last person he saves is Liz, and he's standing face-to-face with Liz, upside down, and Karen says, kiss her. (laughs) (laughs) Kiss her. (laughs) And you think think we're going to get the upside-down kiss here. We do not. We do not get that kiss, uh, because he falls down, but he kind of controls the fall as he falls down into the smoke below him. Did we lose Cabron? Oh, it's back. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't like to see anyone Spider-Man is into falling down any kind of pit or shaft dude, or right? boss. <laughs> I did not know what was going to happen why. to Liz That's Allen weird. in that moment. Yeah. He saves her, though, which is cool. Um, and then, again, you want to talk about the kids that are holding us up. We, we go back to school. Uh, without parts, of course, uh, Tombs and the team go over their options. The best, of course, is uh, find him and, and, and kill Spider-Man. That's what he wants to do. That's he's, he's, He wants out for revenge now. Then they go back to school and then we get another announcement video. This past weekend, Midtown's academic decathlon team <laughs> defeated the country's best to win the national championship. Later that day, they also defeated death. <laughs> Dude, when it cuts to Martin Starr, <laughs> and he's oh like, not going to lose a kid. Not, Not again. <laughs> I I can hear Kevin laughing in the theater. I don't think I've ever heard Kevin more sincerely and loudly laugh at something because it is it's fucking comedy. hilarious. It's good comedy. It's super. Uh, like, so funny. Number one. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, has there been any confirmation that Martin Starr is in this? The, he's the same person. No. From Incredible Hulk, yeah. there's not been an actual confirmation, but I think at some point they're gonna, they will connect it because the the um, principal in this, the the principal in this is 
um, there's a picture of his grandpa, which is also him, the same actor, is one of the Howling Commandos from uh, Captain America. Yeah, Jim Morita. He's also um, one of the original team in um, Wolf of Wall Street, which is <laughs> which is also oh, part yeah. of the MCU. Yeah. Uh, I do. This is an insanely funny line, and Martin Starr is perfect, and everything is perfect. Except there's another one of those lines where I'm just like, "This is a little too funny for this movie." So funny. Are, they, are people oh, literally yeah. dying on field trips in Midtown High? Like, <laughs> this is real. Spider-Man is a real hero who saves people from dying. Did someone die, Martin Starr? Like, it's just one of those moments. Um, uh, let's see. Ned wants to tell everyone that Peter is Spider-Man. Peter tells him no, and then Peter wants to find the bad guys. And Ned's like, well, we got a Spanish test. And Peter's like, listen, let me break it down for you, man. After I become an Avenger, I'm probably never coming back here. None of this matters. I'm going to be an Avenger. Uh, he, I'm so far past this high school right now. And then... He immediately gets stopped by the principal and gets detention, uh, and we get another Captain America video. Another banger's like, so you got detention, right? Uh, and then MJ is just there, and Hannibal Burst is like, what are you even doing here? You don't even have detention. And she's like, I like to draw people in anguish. <laughs> or in despair. In crisis. It's a crisis, that's what it was. Oh, so great. Um, and, of course, Peter just jets, and he bolts. Uh, uh, Karen play, plays back the tape of Peter last Friday. She's like, well, you know, I can give you playback if you want to try to find this guy. She goes to record things. She's got to record everything. He goes, well, play me back last Friday. And, of course, it's Peter doing what we would all do, you know, like just playing in front of the mirror and stuff like that and pretending to be like Thor. Uh, I mean, it's not like I did that yesterday or anything. Don't even judge. Uh, Karen runs facial recognition, of course, on Donald Glover and finds him and they get a hit on his facial recognition. Um, and then Spider-Man's like, cool, open. Do I, it's some sort of like, I think it was like the in, uh, uh, intimidation program or something like that yeah. where he's got the cool voice, right? He webs his hand to the to the back of the trunk. Oh, interrogation. And Interrogation, yeah. sorry. He tries to be he tries to be hard and Donald Glover's like, Can I give you a piece of advice? You gotta get better at this part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I know I what a girl sounds good. like, man. Uh and of course yeah. he turns off the he I'm turns not off a girl. <laughs> uh he turns off his voice and they just have a heart to heart and he's like, Listen man, I don't want that I, I got a I got a cousin or excuse me, uh, a nephew, nephew in this neighborhood. Uh, I don't want those guns on the street either, and he gives up the guys. Uh, and then Peter leaves him webbed there, and he's like, "What?" He's like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "Well, you know, you gotta. I'm punishing you for stealing the car." He goes, "Uh-uh, no, no, no. Come back, come back and fix this. You're not gonna leave me like this." And he's like, "Nope, sorry." And You're a criminal. Really I love that. Yeah. You're a criminal. Uh, let's see. Shocker and Vulture are uh, on the ferry. We cut up the ferry where we got that where we got the hit. Uh, they're there to uh, uh, deal with the scorpion. And he's got the little scorpion tattoo. That's how you know it's there, Tim. Otherwise, we would never know. Uh, I just if we don't get Michael Mando as the scorpion at some point, I'm gonna be so bummed. He would be such a good scorpion if we never actually get Voss as the scorpion. I'm gonna lose my mind. Me too. I'll not so Vada oh, guy. Yeah, dude. he is Voss. I keep forgetting that. That's wild. Oh, he gives the, the insanity speech as Scorpion. <laughs> as Scorpion. <laughs> I don't know if that's. I don't know if he's gonna go that hard. You guys thought he, he's talking about the character from Breaking Bad, right? Is that what this guy's No, uh, Far Cry Better Call Saul. Oh, Far Cry Better Call Saul is right. Um. Anyway, uh, Tony gives calls Peter as he's boarding the ferry to give him some positive support, and Peter hangs up on him to catch the bad guys. Uh, at first, it goes pretty well, until the FBI busts in on the deal. Uh, Toombs takes the opportunity to suit up and starts blasting holes in the boat, 
with one of that Centauri tech. Uh, Peter uh, uh, uses the taser web to disarm Vulture, but the energy uh, cuts the blows up the gun and cuts the boat clean in half. Uh, Shocker and Vulture get away while Peter has a great, this is a great scene where Peter tries to web all of the structures of the boat back together. And Karen says, hey, great job, Peter. You were 98% successful. And he's like, what? And of course, that one little 2% he, uh, he missed is to the detriment of the boat. It starts falling apart. And Peter goes, does he's like, listen, this wouldn't be a Spider-Man movie without some Jesus imagery. So he webs it and almost gets pulled apart. Andy Cortez. I also, re- another scene I don't like, and I think it maybe just his delivery for me is, Oh, you're wearing that arm thing that the other guy had. That's, I'm shocked. I like it's clearly a joke about like some sort of shocker thing, but I just really, it just felt really forced in there. Like that felt oh, like yeah. an extra scene that didn't need to uh-huh. happen. I mean, yeah, kind of explaining. Oh, you're using the thing the other guy had, um, and it's the delivery of I'm shocked. It's so weird. I I don't like it every time I hear it. On the flip side, the 98 percent joke is oh great, it's it's like top tier. I just want to point out, Andy, maybe you and me shouldn't be criticizing people who shoehorn in really dry bad jokes into content. Maybe. I think maybe you're including me in something that you <laughs> 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 I love this. Oh, I love the, the web grenade. Web grenade. <laughs> like, all of that. It's so fucking good. Uh, I have confirmation. They merged the drone. Good. Good. <laughs> they merged the drone, everybody. Of course they did. That's great. Uh, of course, Peter, uh, very desperate here, almost being pulled apart like Jesus, and then uh, the boat starts to come back together because who should actually come to his rescue? Iron Man with a bunch of iron bots that all staple themselves to the boat and push it back together, and then Iron Man just easily welds it together uh, so that he could uh, save the day. And everyone's hilarious because everyone's... This is so Spider-Man, though. This, this moment, this is like such... This is this is that big thing. I mean, I know I know we're skipping by it. Like you got to have some Jesus imagery, but this is his big like, oh no, I fucked up. I have to fix everything for everyone. And mm-hmm. this is one of my favorite versions of this scene. And the thing where he's just trying to hold an entire Staten Island ferry together while everybody's like, like I don't know. I just this is maybe out of all of them, even even Toby even Toby's mushmouth face. On the front of that, on the front of that MTA in fucking Spider-Man 2, this might actually be my favorite one. Oh, I I just yeah. love this because you, I I think they just I think they just nailed the motion of Spider-Man and like the skills and like making it look like Spider-Man is doing something by the time this movie happened, and just watching him like, I can save this, I can save this, I can save this is it was just such a good sequence for me. Like it hit yeah. so hard. Well, it's also mirrored and everyone being like, Spider, like, screaming for Spider-Man. And then when Iron Man comes in, they immediately start screaming for Iron yeah, Man. Yeah, they're like, Iron Man did it! Yeah! yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, God. He's like, God, we're all dumb. Uh, let's see, Peter, that all happens. Shocker decides to cut and run, but Tombs is like, listen, I can't. They're back at the lair now. He's like, I can't just run. I only got one option left. He orders Mason to get the high-altitude suit ready. Uh, and then Peter and Iron Man get into an argument, and Peter's like, listen, what the hell do you eat? Like, if you even cared, you'd be here in person, and Tony, the suit opens up, and who, and Tony steps out of it, and he's like, I am here in person. And he's like, "He, I did, in fact, believe you, Peter. That's why I called the FBI. And now, he's like, why wouldn't you just tell me that? Yeah, <laughs> like, hey, Iron Man, hey, Tony, somebody just text Peter and say, don't be on the fucking ferry. Somebody just text and be like, we got all of your concerns, right. and you're right, and we're taking care of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but, I mean, I, there is this line next, which kind of is, I think, a little bit, I think kind of explains that a little bit, where he's like, I just wanted to be like you. And Tony says, and I wanted you to be better. 
And it's like, I get that Tony still is moving a mile a minute and maybe didn't think or like skipped over, like just letting Peter know, hey, they've got that thing covered. He just didn't think about it, right? Um, and it sucks because this is what's happened, but he takes no responsibility for it, which is annoying. Uh, Tony tells him to give the suit back, and Peter says, but I'm nothing without that suit. And he says, if you're nothing without the suit, then you don't deserve it. It's like, ooh, that's tough. Uh, when he gets home, May is furious, and Peter tells him, breaks down and tells her that he lost the Stark internship. He screwed up, uh, but you know what? He actually managed to find some balance uh, because we cut over and he's like going back to school and he's passing his test and all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. And he finally apologizes to Liz, but she takes it in stride. She says, it was not cool that you left, but especially because uh, I like you. And he goes, uh, I know. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is when he comes out of the bathroom after detention. Mm-hmm. The yeah, world's yeah. biggest hall pass. I love I how love shitty it. it is. It's I so great. I used to like perfect. that. I used to have those too. It's like they're like so big, and it's like how many kids have touched this without washing their hands? That's what oh I was uh, He says, "I'm sorry. It was not cool." Uh, and he's like, "You know, especially because I like you." And she goes, "I know. You're terrible at keeping secrets." It's just a fun little bit. And then Peter, I love this. Doesn't stumble around it. He kind of. It's a little bit first. He's like, "Okay, I'm a little, a little nervous at first. But he asks her to homecoming, and she says yes. And it's a very, very sweet scene. And then they walk away very awkwardly. I like the mirroring of when, when things are going well for Peter, it's usually because he's not being Spider-Man. And even though this movie kind of glosses over that a little bit, I'm glad that they touch on that theme here, even if it's just for this moment, until like he basically shows up at Tombs' door or whatever. I, I, I just, I like that. I like that Peter is always doing better when Spider-Man is doing worse. Yeah. Uh, of course, he immediately runs home and asks May for help. And again, I think we talked about this a little bit, but I love that he calls her May. Mm-hmm. It's not Aunt May. It's just May. Right? Yeah. It's because she's almost like a contemporary. She's, she's a cool contemporary. aunt. Yeah. yeah, she's cool. Uh, do you guys, she, do you, do y'all call your aunts like aunt whatever? Yeah. I oh, yeah. Do you really? I say, I say the aunt, Theo, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I just say auntie oh. uncle. Really? But like, not, not like in culture, if you call somebody the first name, it's very disrespectful. I think that's part of it. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, for me, yeah, I, no. once I hit 40, I'm like, I just, I just, I just call her Angela. I feel like I actively go out of my way to just not say their names or refer to them. But if I did, like last time I could remember, it would be like Aunt Maureen. Mm-hmm. I've never called her Maureen. You know? Oh, no. My aunts and uncles are just, like, Renee and Mickey. Like, But I'm also – but, yeah, I'm also, like, not a high schooler. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, May oh, gives no. Peter a few key words of advice. Teach him how to do the tie, all that cute stuff. I like to have to watch – she doesn't really know how to tie a tie either, so they have to watch it together on YouTube. Love it. It's how I learned how to tie a bow tie. Uh, she gives him a few key pieces of advice as she pulls up to Liz's house. Uh, and then he takes the stair and stride, thinking, like, man, this is going to just be a good night. And he rings the doorbell, and who should answer? Tombs. And, man, someone brought it up earlier, the, the, the audible <laughs> ask in the audience. That was me. I was like, what? Same. Like, what? What a great, incredible twist. That that is, is, what I love about it most is we've talked about the scene forever. But what I love is, and watching it last night like made me realize this, it is extra impactful because you're so not expecting a moment here because we just got the, oh, Iron, Man, Iron Man's not actually in the suit. Oh, shit, he is? Whoa, that's crazy. This happens so quickly after that that you're just, you're like totally just ready to get punched in the face with some realness, and they punch so hard. This is a yeah. gut punch. This, like, takes the wind out of Peter's sails, and Tom Holland does a great job of, of doing the next couple scenes where – it's the awkwardness of smile Peter. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> it, it comes off, but it's great because you know the the 
obviously the brilliance of it is just like it comes off like he's just nervous to meet his date's dad, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that's what Adrian reads it as because why would he read it as like anything else? Um, um, but it plays it plays so wonderfully because Michael Keaton is able, and a not a, not a lot of actors are, but Michael Keaton is able to play it as I don't know this. Yeah. But I also know, but I also want to play it up just a tiny bit for mm-hmm. the audience. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but not in a way that makes it like that changes the scene or anything. Michael Keaton can just do those layers. Yeah, he's, I think he's it, that good. There's the added layer too of him being the father in the situation and being like, "Oh, I own this situation because I'm this dad to this girl mm-hmm. that you want to take to the to the dance." But really, you and what he doesn't know is that he owns the situation because he's literally the vulture. He's yeah, literally yeah, this person yeah. that Peter's afraid of. But also he does this. He does all the standard dad tropes where he offers Peter a scotch, and Peter's like, yeah. "I'm too young to drink," and he's like, "That's the right answer." And then they're leaving, and Peter says goodbye to. Uh, how do you say Garcelle's last name? Beauvais. In real life, yeah, in real life, Garcelle Beauvais. Beauvais, uh, who's awesome in this as well. He's like, she's incredible, dude. Shout out to her, the legend, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Never fucking forget. But she really kills this. Like, I, I was very impressed seeing her act because I didn't expect much. Are the the women in these shows real or are they actors? I don't get. Sometimes they're actors. Real people. Actors are actors playing themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like Garcelle Beauvais and Lisa Renna are both famous actors, and like Denise Richards is an actor, but like they're not playing. First off, let me stop you right there. Lisa Renna and Denise Richards are on the same level of actors. You. Come back for the kind of funny Real Housewives ranking. Listen, I love Lisa <laughs> Renna. Anytime, Carboni. Personality, but let's be honest. Come on, like, name a movie. Veronica Mars. All right. Well, all right. We're going to move on from this. This is like, because this, this is going to be that conversation that drives this into hour four. Uh, but I will not have anyone disparage Denise Richards in front of me. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Nobody would. Nobody would. Thank you, thank you. Uh, they leave, and of course, this is my favorite line of the movie. Where he's like, "Come on, Pedro!" <laughs> Dude, all the of Michael Keatonism. Yeah, all the cute different ways that he says Pete and Peter, and just like the way they flip that later when it when it becomes menacing when he's mm-hmm. when he's in the vulture suit are just like, "Yeah, that's good." But, oh, but Nick, do you think you love it extra because he's in the other guys? Yes. Yes, you usually see him turn around and say, "Hey, don't go chasing waterfalls." And have like, "You have to know you're doing this, right?" Um, I just love Michael Keaton. I just love Michael Keaton because a lot of people don't remember Michael Keaton, the comedic actor, from a lot of the stuff he did. We only know Michael Keaton from the serious roles that he takes. And this is one of those moments where, like, Mr. Mom, Michael Keaton, straight up broke through, uh, which is great. Uh, And then we get. A direct opposite scene where, and I love the way this car scene shot, right? Because we're seeing Michael Keaton sort of in this blurred out, hazy, uh, light streaked rearview mirror as his. It goes Michael Mann. As he's figuring out that Peter Parker is Spider Man, and he and he figures out fast too. He's like, wait a minute, you're you're associated with Stark. You know Spider Man. You were in DC when Spider Man was in DC. It's not. It doesn't take a genius. He immediately figures it out, and then he uses the dad. The dad uh, excuse one more time to be like, hey, Liz, uh, go go into the dance right now. Me and Peter, I have to have the dad talk with Peter. Dude, and this car shot- scene, this conversation, like like the way it's shot, like it's a shot, like it's a scene from Collateral. Mm-hmm. Like it's literally shot like a Michael Mann, like, oh, no, the informant's been found it's out. For real. <laughs> like, 
like, oh no, you've been in deep cover for years and you've been found out, and it's Girl, not like that. Like, it, and in the moment, it feels like a slow burn because like, yeah. you have the you have the conversation that's happening between. Peter and Liz. Hey, and Liz, like, shut up, Liz! Fuck! Yeah, like, periodically, like, Vulture chimes in and starts asking questions, but it is, like, the slow gears turning of, like, oh, yeah, Peter was in uh, D.C. Mm-hmm. with us, and, like, you know, oh, Peter, were you, you know, there with them in the elevator? Oh, no, he, he was he was out. I forget what she it said. It just like, gets worse and worse. He there. Mm-hmm. It just gets worse and worse, and the... the Cherry on top of it is the framing of the stoplight of it yeah. being on red. It, them stopped it being red, and as soon as you, you see him figure it out, it turns to green. green. And it's like yeah. so oh, cool. Dude, I love that, good. and I love how it's such a slow burn. It's so perfect up until this moment where they drops him off. The moment she walks away, he just pulls out a gun. It is such a rational so up. Like holy shit! <laughs> but like it happens. Like this is it, this is one of my favorite sequences. I think in the MCU period because. Throughout that whole, what what is it like five minutes, maybe longer, maybe shorter? It feels like it takes forever, but from him opening the door up until him busting out the gun, it is just a slow build throughout the, that entire time. And from that point where he opens the door, you're locked in. Like I've never been yeah. so locked into a movie where I'm like, oh my god, where is this gonna go? And as it's going, I'm more and more locked in as they keep like peeling back the layers of him figuring it out and then responding to it with the gas. He's doing hand. he's doing the spark uh, uh, internship. Oh really? He's like, oh god, yeah, even no Spider Man. Oh fuck, yeah. no, yeah. no, yeah. Yeah, every single line Liz says, like you can tell Peter he's like friends with Spider Man. Oh really? How is oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He picks up Spider Man's dry cleaning sometimes. <laughs> what? <laughs> What's yeah. great about that though is like from from Liz's perspective, that's what that character would do because she yeah. wants her dad to know to that be he's impressed. a yeah. good guy and impressed by him, and it's just having the opposite effect. It's driving the knife in further. Such a good scene, of course, well, as Liz and, leaves. And, and also just and also just there's a little bit of like if you're Liz Allen, you know your dad doesn't like Tony Stark. And yeah. like there's just a little bit of there's just a little bit of that. Like my date is very cool and I like him and he likes Tony Stark and I like Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. So what? <laughs> so what, dad? Yeah. Um I do want to say that the pointing the pulling out of the gun hits me so hard because it's so rare in the MCU, we see two normally dressed people in a normal situation mm-hmm. and a real world weapon. Like this is not like a, this is not like a it's going to make you something. float. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a power phaser blast or whatever. Or like he's going to shoot a teenage boy in the face, like right now. This and is it's, the, this is the only moment though that I don't particularly love, only because I'm like, all right, the bad guy without his super suit is locked in a small, confined space with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And gun or not, I don't care how close that gun is, Spider-Man's winning that fight. I don't know, so dude, I, that guy's pretty close. No, I, look, here's what I'll say, Nick, because I don't... Pretty close. I, like, Spider-Man could have literally gotten out of the car and flipped it over and been like, what are you going to do now, Tombs? What's up? What's up now, right? Like, I Yeah, that that's definitely true, but I also think that... But he was shell-shocked by it. I, I, I also think it, it's just that intimidation. It is the, I'm the, I'm the elder, I'm not only your girlfriend's father, I'm the... I'm the fucking vulture, and you know what I can do to people. And I don't really think he's necessarily thinking about Peter's strength or Spider-Man's strength. Right. This is just his moment to, you know, uh, use his will to say, I, I will come after you and kill everybody you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's and such Tom, a great moment. And yeah, I think Tom Holland's credit, like, you can see in his face he's, like, angry and he's scared. But, like, what the moment you see... Michael Keaton, you see Adrian say, 
I'm going to come after everyone you love. I'll kill you dead. Think, yeah, says, I'll you kill think. you dead. And I and I think I think throughout that whole that whole sequence, like you can see that Tom Holland is one shocked, but I think beneath it is later on after the scene when he comes back and he's like Ned, like track my phone. Like he he's in control enough that he is dropping the phone in the car. Right. Right. And like I, I like I genuinely believe in that sequence it would play the way that Nick's talking about. If Michael Keaton really did want to shoot him in that moment, I'm sure Tom Holland would have done some backflip or some shit and then like threw hands. But I do think in that moment he's also like, well, I can't start shit here because we're in front of my school and my girlfriend's over there and like we can't we can't scrap in front of the school. It's and way too dangerous. Yeah. yeah, it's way too dangerous. Good point. And 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 I, I do love the, I like I like the reveal of the phone too because uh, he knew he was like I know exactly what I have to do. But the audience doesn't. So when he walks into that amazing flock of seagull song, uh, and it's so Hughes-esque, and he's got that just, like, glazed-over look on his face, and, P- and Liz is like, what's wrong? And he goes, I got to go. It's like, oh, oh, it's so hard. It's so gut-wrenching. Uh, he says, you don't deserve this. And he goes, and he runs down the hallway. And what a – by the way, we, we've seen it before, but this little effect they do where he just grabs the whole row of lockers and lifts it up to grab his stuff it's and so then puts sick. it back down. It's so cool. And, of course, what does he have to do? He's got to grab his old suit. And uh, and go after and runs right out the door into Shocker and he says hey, he gave you a choice he chose wrong and Shocker starts beating his ass until Ned comes to the rescue with one of the fallen web shooters uh, and Peter catches Ned uh, and, and saves him and they web into the car and uh, Peter catches Ned Ned up and tells him to call Happy and find a computer because you got to be the guy in the chair now uh, and then he steals Flash's Audi and just immediately crashes it and I love the fact <laughs> that Spider Man can do any. All these amazing things, but he doesn't know how to drive a car. <laughs> he can't drive. And I love that Flash, in that moment, this is the first time we see Flash deflated. Because in the face of somebody that has actual authority over him, uh, that where he's like, give me the car. He goes, but it's it's actually my dad's car. And yeah. he's like, oh, what a good, yeah, got him. Got him, mother. The hard cut there, too. Just driving <laughs> off without him. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I do want to throw out, there was an Easter egg in this. Did you guys catch what it was? I don't know. Flash, as he's driving the car, is making oh. excuses for why they had to leave the restaurant because the uh, the, the that fish dish from the Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, oh I know oh, when Branzino. Right. I know when Branzino's fresh. I know and that wasn't fresh. Oh, no. shit. That's yeah, that, fun. That, that was funny. I was like, why would he be talking? Oh, it's the I also just like that his, his license plate says Flash Drive. Flash Drive. Um... Ned, of course, crushes being the guy in the chair, and Peter uh, and tracks Peter's phone, which he cleverly left into his car. Peter puts two and two together and realizes that the vulture is going to try to rob the, the the big score. The last final score is Tony's plane uh, that Happy has just finished packing up for moving day. We've already seen that all of Tony's planes are driven by AI, so they don't actually have any pilots or any people aboard. Uh, Pete tracks his phone to Tombs' lair, and they face off. And this is a great scene, another misdirection scene here that I didn't see coming. Because they're talking, and, and, and Michael Keaton's like, we're the same guy. We're just exactly like They're always screwing us over to, to Blessing's point earlier. Like, we're, you know, these guys, they don't they don't want to have anything to do with us. They're just using us. And he's like, all that being considered, I just have to take you down. He's like, yeah, well, I just needed the time to basically fire up the suit. He's like, I just wanted to know how – I wanted you to know how I feel, and also I needed to take a little extra time to, yeah. to get the suit fired up. And the suit goes around, and Spider-Man – Dodges it very easily, and again, proving that experience counts here. He's like, "What do you? This suit can't even touch me." He goes, "Suit's not trying to touch you." And he looks, and all the pillars but one have been destroyed in the warehouse. Uh, and Historically, Peter not great with gliders. No, gliders are his kryptonite. Not uh, gliders. The vulture suit, of course, brings the entire house down on Peter's back, 
and then takes off uh, to go toward the uh, the plane. Uh, Peter I just Price. want to say that Adrian Toomes makes a lot of good points in this scene. That's all. Okay. That's all I want to say. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Anti-capitalist Adrian Toomes. And that's what makes a great villain. Yeah, he's like, a good base. That's, that's uh, Anthony, that is why Vulture is, I think, like number five on the Ragu Bagu list of all the ba- of all the villains in the MCU. He's like number four or five underneath Michael B. Jordan and Thanos and I forget well, Here's what, I mean, look, He's here's good. what I'll say, and I think y'all, I think y'all will agree. You know, it took, it took a phase and a half, two phases before they figured out what to do with a villain. You know what yep, I mean? Because sure. it was about the hero's journey, and so they didn't think about the villain as much. <laughs> and it's good, it's good to see the vulture, like, I'm rooting for the vulture half the time. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Until he goes vulture. up against Spider-Man. Dude. You don't think Obadiah Stane had dimensions? <laughs> no, I was thinking. I was thinking more of Cross in Ant-Man. Fuck that guy, the worst villain ever. Oh, oh my god, I'd forgotten. Like, <laughs> oh, I yeah, just like, yeah. what does the villain in Ant-Man do? I cannot remember. <laughs> I simply cannot recall what the villain in Ant-Man is there for and what he wants. Super capitalism. Yeah, exactly. Sure, they all do, but like, I can't remember. Oh, didn't he want to? Build a building, shrink a building? I don't no, know. He no. wanted to sell the technology so that someone can make an army of uh, yellow, of, uh, yellow, yellow jackets. jackets. Yeah. Who the fuck is talking right now? Kevin. Pete tries to free himself from rubble, but he can't, and he starts freaking out and screaming, and Tom Holland crushes this part. Mm-hmm. And he, so good. And then, of course, he looks down, and he sees his mask in the, the water, and his reflection, and we see half his face and half the mask. It's a great little effect they do. And he remembers Tony's words. You're nothing without the suit. Uh, then you shouldn't have it. So Peter, I didn't need Tony here. I didn't need the Tony Dio. I love it. I don't I care. didn't need I it. it. I didn't need part, it. The, part, the fact that Tom, the, the first thing he says is, come on, Peter. And then he thinks no, again. He goes, come everything on, Everything he does is perfect. And then he I didn't need the Tony VO. Come on, Spider-Man. I can take it or leave it. I yeah, I'm it. with Tim. I'm with Tim. Yeah, I, I, I get it that you don't love it, but like, I don't think it's like it detracts at all because I think that this is beginning with him. There's such a fear in his voice when he's saying yeah. help, yeah. and like he's just defenseless. And for it to then go from that fear to what Nick's saying here about the like, "Come on, Spider-Man," it's like, well, this is like when he really becomes Spider-Man, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then of course, how are does. British people so good at American acting? It doesn't make sense. Crazy. I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> how do you have Garfield. so much range here, man? Jesus. I think they do them. It'll blow your mind. Yeah, I. This is a scene that, like, the version of it that I remember specifically was a Mark Bagley was drawing it, and it was like Spider-Man like chasing after the lizard because the lizard was gonna kill Kurt Connors' family, like. And I remember Spider-Man like having to do this exact thing and get out because this is like a thing that happens in Spider-Man and like Tom Holland just does it the way, not just the way I pictured it in my head. Better than I could have ever pictured yep. in my head. Totally. Better. Uh, it is great. I didn't need the Tony Stark. Okay. Of course, he digs deep and he squats his way out of the rubble just like Andy squatted his way out of Rooster Teeth. Uh, and then he webs onto the vulture as the, as the vulture approaches the plane. And Vulture's like, oh, no, a little drag here. And he's like, oh, it's probably just the altitude. Uh, Vulture latches on. I love how this whole thing works. This high altitude, like, suction suit that he's got. He gets into the plane uh, with the Chitari portal thing. Uh, but Peter can't get into the plane. And this plane that has all the cameras around it for, for camouflage. And the mm-hmm. wonderful moment where Peter, as he as Spider-Man, crawls in front of the camera. And the whole plane goes Spider-Man for a second. <laughs> I love it. It's really, really cool. good. Uh, everything they do with that plane uh, throughout this entire like lose control, trying to like everything they do with the look of that plane is like 
really visually like I am satisfied by that plane. Yeah, and him almost getting sucked into the turbine was like horrifying as yeah, well because yeah. he's just this little boy at the end of the day. That it's yeah. like him against then you see him. Oh, I'm so happy that worked. It's like, oh, good job, guys. But all, but not only that though. Again, another kind of theme of the movie is he webs the the thing and then the jet engine the the turbine explodes and falls out and the plane starts going toward Manhattan and he's like, oh no. So he has to, of course, then uh, web onto the aileron to steer it over to Coney Island because I guess no one cares about Coney Island. Uh, uh, Nick then, with his with his airplane terms. Yeah, what damn. What was that? Aerion? What? Uh, aileron. Is what wow, is look at that. What's the opposite of nautical? Uh, I, aeronautical. aeronautical. <laughs> like air, Airborne, the movie? Sure. Yeah, air, it's Airbud. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, uh, this thing lands, and it lands, and everything blows up, and Peter's thrown uh, by it. But when he looks over into the Dude, smoke... that shit looks brutal, up, too, man. That's brutal. He looks over into the smoke, and who should come out of it? Vulture, who just kicks his ass and hands it to him. But the Vulture suit's all messed up, and so it, goes, it looks over, and it sees another one of the uh, case of all the Chitauri power cells, and it's like, finally, I got He's like, bingo. Um, I just want to say that I love the moment where he, like like... The vulture is looking, and it's just, I don't know, box of arc reactors. Mm-hmm. Like, box of Ironmans just yeah. sitting there. Like, oh, I'm just of Ironmans. We, we do have another moment, though, as he's um, he lifts Peter up into the air, and Peter looks up, and it's a perspective shot of the vulture, like, looking down with the green eyes, and he goes, hey, Pedro, <laughs> and then, like, kicks his ass. So good. Uh, but he doesn't notice that his suit's all messed up, and Peter tries to uh, tell him it's not. He's like tries to warn him, and he webs him. The vulture won't listen, and the suit ends up exploding. Uh, Peter then runs into the fire and saves Tomb's life uh, as everything kind of explodes around him. And then, Watching this for the first time in a while, I was a little let down by this end moment. Like I feel like everything about this fight was perfect, but uh the the back and forth and peter being like like oh hey you're, you're gonna explode or whatever and then he explodes but then peter saves him from the fire like i feel like i wish the writing was a little more clever and i wish there was a little bit more going on with the duality of the peter spider-man vulture uh adrian relationships and like more than just or like call back hey, to something yeah it, yeah. it kind of just felt like oh you're gonna explode and then oh, you exploded like it didn't really feel like spider-man was actually trying to stop him and save him even though he's the enemy, it kind of just felt like a mid-fight thing. I don't know. Yeah, just like, something, I, yeah, something where he mentions either, like, his real name yeah, or like something Mr. Where Adrian, Mr. Adrian. Like, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I, I think, Tim, I, I think that maybe we would have felt happier with it, um, but I think the movie just peaked with being underneath the rubble. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think yeah. like at that, that's the strong as this movie is, and it's hot, really hard to follow that up. So mm-hmm. even though I, I, even though I definitely agree, it isn't the best ending a movie could have. But yeah, I, it did feel like something was missing for sure. Uh, um, I do, I do like that. You know, this is one where Peter gets to gets to save the bad guy. Like we don't have to kill the bad guy every time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and there's this. What I love is until – from this moment until the mid credit sequence, I am sitting there going, oh, God. Oh, God. He knows. He knows. This mm-hmm. is so bad. What this is so bad. When the authorities get there, they find everything webbed together, including Tombs, who was webbed to all the uh, Stark merchandise with a note that says, found, flying vulture guy, uh, dash Spider-Man, P.S., sorry about your plane. 
which of mm-hmm. course is just a note to Happy, who's like, damn it. Uh, the next day, Pete apologized to Liz for leaving her at the dance, uh, but she's got bigger fish to fry at this point. They're moving to Oregon to avoid being in New York for the trial. She says, goodbye, Peter. Whatever's going on with you, I hope you figure it out. And then that's the last we'll ever see of Liz Allen. Uh, Mark Starr. <laughs> doesn't exist anymore, yeah. No, she's gone. She, she actually yeah, moved to a different country like, after that. Every single time I watch this movie, I'm like, damn, she got the short end of the stick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think we'll see her again. I think she we'll see her when they bring up when when I think down the 